Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. We are joined with the man, the myth, the moneymaker effect, Chris Moneymaker, newest member of the ACR. Congrats on uh, signing uh, with, the, with, the, with the major sponsorship again after leaving, leaving Star. So, Chris, talk to me. How are you? You know, I couldn't be better, Jeff. Doing real well. It's good seeing your face again. It's been a long time. Um, you know, we used to be on, on a team back in the day, and you know, you, then you decide to move halfway across the world down to Brazil, and I don't ever get to see you. So it's good to see your face, and uh, it's good to catch up. Yeah, man, it is. Uh, it's a lot going on in the poker world and life and everything. You know, things go go very fast and, and time flies. I was just reminiscing and looking back and I had to tell you, you know, you were my original. This was like letting it flow. Uh, this was back in, I think, exactly three years ago in January. And we just had a convo. You know, I just asked you, I think, on the spot. Like, hey, like, let's hop on, talk. And we chatted and, and sort of this was like started thinking about, well, you know, it'd be, uh, it'd be cool actually to have a podcast. So you were actually like, technically, you were like the pilot. You were my the first ever uh, guess. So we're back. We're back. We'll call this part two. And obviously now that was, you know, we were both sponsored by poker stars. This was in January of 2018. You have now left uh, stars. Uh, you were, I mean, you were the guy 2003 until then. I mean, that's a long, long run. And I was there for while we were on the same team for, you know, a couple of years. Um, but, you know, tell me what's, what's happened first. Let's just dive right into why you left, you left poker stars. How was that? Because like you have been, you're the face of poker. You're the moneymaker effect. It's, it's just crazy. Like it's fuck. It's wild that you are the guy of the poker boom. Like there's no argument. It's not like, Oh, maybe or whatever. You're the guy you're with poker stars. How did that kind of, uh, how was that to leave, you know? And then it's good terms. And, and what was sort of like, was that crazy for you to, to, to go to, to, to deck? Wow. I'm no longer with poker stars. Yeah, so, you know, leaving PokerStars was definitely a tough decision. Um, they're a great company. loved working with them. I mean, you worked with them for a while. You see, you know, um, talking with Scott and all these guys, they were trying to set up different promotions for me to do. And, you know, we had the Moneymaker Tour going. And um, obviously, if, well, I say obviously, if the virus had not happened, then I would be with PokerStars and I would be out doing what I've been doing for the last 17 years. Um, when the virus happened, obviously we all got sort of shut down. Um, I was able to spend time with my family and I really enjoyed that time with my family. Um, my contract was coming up and, you know, poker stars was really great throughout the whole pandemic. Like they, they didn't ask me to do anything. They were like, you know, stay home. Um, and they paid me and they took care of me while I was sitting at home, which was, you know, really, really cool. Um, and we were talking about, you know, renegotiation. My contract was coming up at the end of, at the, end of the year and they're talking about, you know, me moving to Pennsylvania or me moving, uh, traveling to Pennsylvania or Michigan or New Jersey, um, where I'm able to play and stream and spend like half the year up there or whatever it might be. Um, and honestly, at the end of the day, you know, looking at my family situation when I had been home for that long, the thought of leaving them for half a year or, you know, uprooting my whole family to move up to the northern uh, plains, if you were, to, uh, to play online just wasn't quite as appealing as it was prior to the pandemic. Like, I think prior to the, you know, being locked at home, I either would have spent the time away or I would have you know, maybe move the family, but it's hard to move a family when you have three kids and they all have friends and, you know, 
Right. Uh, it's, it's a big ask for them to move. Now, people move all the time for jobs and people move all the time um, for different reasons. But so we could have moved. I mean, it was definitely something on the table we were looking at. Um, and during the negotiation process, it was trying to, we were trying to figure out, am I going to move or am I going to spend just a ton of time, you know, up in those areas? So I, could, I was able to play and be effective because at the end of the day, you know, when's COVID going to end? You know, when are we going to be able to go out and actually play right. poker with people? And, I, you know, I wanted to be visible. I wanted to be out there. I wanted to be able to be streaming and um, be part of the actual brand. And I wasn't able to do that sitting at home down here in Mississippi. And, you know, as things developed, um, I realized I did like being at home. I did want to ask them to, to move. And, um, I couldn't imagine spending half a year away from them up in another place. And so that was kind of the whole leading poker stars, um, decision is what it really came down to. Again, you know, it's nothing that they did. It was, you know, it's been a great relationship for 17 years. Um, obviously we've both grown over time and, um, you know, I had an opportunity to present itself and I took it and I, you know, with ACR, I get to stay home. I get to stream. I get to be with my family. Um, I'm still going to be traveling, but it's just not going to be near as much. I mean, we have things like the cage. We're going to be doing some tour, some tournaments whenever we can get back out into public. But in the meantime, I can sit here and play online from my home computer stream and do the things that an ambassador can do just to be out in the public eye um, without going and touching people right now, which uh, was a big driving factor in the decision. For sure. And, and I see your, your, uh, you do it. So tell me about Twitch a little bit then. Is that, I see right here, it says you're offline Chris Moneymaker Poker. I know you've streamed some. So is that something you will be planning to do more on is, is actually streaming on Twitch when you play? Yep. I'm going to stream on Twitch. I'm actually getting my channel set back up right now. I'm going to start probably pretty slow. I'm going to probably just do the Sunday schedule, uh, maybe a, a select few tournaments. ACR has got a full tournament schedule coming out with, um, the OS, MOSS, uh, things of that nature. So, um, you know, we got a whole thing coming out. So I'm going to be streaming some of that. Sorry, I'm getting, that's your messages. And, and let me, I'll just, let me interrupt. Uh, well, or let me just kind of dive in and understand exactly. I, I can really relate to what you're going through. Cause I remember when I was dealing with poker stars, you know, being American is tricky, right? Like now we see Michigan just get legalized. I see that on the docket, there's an Indiana, Kentucky, I believe, Illinois. I've heard whispers of Illinois, New York. You know, you see now with the pandemic and COVID and all this stuff that, you know, it's coming more to light Biden administration, probably more pro for this stuff. Uh, sports gambling legal at a federal level. So like, it's a pretty exciting time in terms of gaming and poker and in the U S and things seem like they're coming forward. But, you know, I remember with same thing with stars, it was always kind of hard for them to find ways to use me. There weren't really much Americans like, look, Hey, I'm going to be at, in, in America for a good part of the year. Uh, you know, what do you do? What do they use you for? And then what you're saying, like, you know, you're a guy, you're the, you're the face of like live of the dream, the average Joe, if you will, I know you're not an average guy. You're, you're a remarkable person. Cause you know what I mean? Like you're, you're the kind of guy they want you out and rumbling. And so when you can't, and then it's sort of like, Oh, it's like a weird thing. Right. Cause it's like, they just, you know, they're not gonna, they don't want you to just sit at home. Uh, so it kind of, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. And they're not a lot of great, there's not a lot of options in the U S either. And I mean, obviously America's card room, like I said, I've, I've mentioned this before. Yeah. Of course they've had, there's some people will say this and bots or whatever. Like, look, I know one, I know Phil, 
I know ACR. I've been down there numerous times to the cage. I've seen their offices. I know people that have won the cage. Two of my very good friends have won the Venom, right? For a mil- got paid a million plus, paid out, like whatever, right? They're, listen, they've, the site is, uh, they're doing a lot, and, and it's the best option for Americans by a country mile to play on in, in, in big tournaments, big guarantees. So, no, listen, there's not a lot of, like I said, in our industry, there's only so many teams. There's not 32, like the, the major sports. There's, there's basically, you got Poker Stars, which is sort of, in a way, segueing out of poker, right? I mean, like they've they've gotten rid of some of their faces. You know, you're like they've parted ways. Negreanu couldn't come to agreement. You didn't come to agreement. I left. Kevin Martin left. Jamie Staples left. Uh, you know, a lot of people. Nano Noko. You could just go down the list of people that were there. And you know, now they still have Lex. They still have Finton Spraggy. A few other guys that are active. Uh, you know, Akari. But it's changed, right? Like they're more in gaming, and, and it's just like one of those things that it, things evolve. Different times, different things are, are right for people, right? So it's like. No, I get it. I totally get it. And for me, it was like, all right, I wanted to always work for stars. I got the stars. And then when it was kind of time and I saw the vision of what was happening and just like what, what I'd be utilized, you, you got to, you know, it, you got to do what's best for you and what makes sense. And, and a lot of times people will look at something, think something, but not have all the information, you know, and like you said, you could have done that. But there's there's a lot of factors in you know family and what it means. So um, I mean again I'm I'm happy for you. I'm sure you know you inked a great deal and uh, you with the you know and, and that's amazing. So I'm I'm glad that uh, you know that's uh, that's big news and, and very very exciting. So when when will you start streaming exactly? Uh, working on the stream right now. Like I said, we just got that uh, part you know moving in that direction. So I'm looking. My internet is supposed to. I was supposed to have this brand new fiber internet uh, by Christmas, and it's. February and I still don't have it yet. So hopefully that comes in. When that comes in, I'm going to get the stream officially set up and I'll be releasing stuff on Twitch uh, or on Twitter, you know, announcing when I'm going to start streaming again. You know, we got a cool series coming up, so I'll probably stream stream some of that series, but I'm going to focus on Sundays. I think Sundays is the, you know, it's still the poker day. Um, And so I'll I'll probably start doing that. Um, But, you know, when talking about why ACR versus, you know, all the other opportunities out there. Um, you know, the one thing I always liked about poker stars back in the day was if I needed something, I could pick up Esai and call the phone and we would have a discussion. And Esai was kind of a poker nerd. And um, it's the same exact way with ACR. If ACR, if I need something or I actually have a voice to where I can reach out into the community, get what the community wants right. and pick up the phone and call Phil one and say, Hey, look, can we try this? Can, is this something we can do? And they've been overly receptive of being able to, you know, say, yeah, we can do that. Let's, you know, they, they change the software all the time to fit for players needs. It's really, you know, for the players, um, they, um, Phil's a poker nerd. So, um, you know, just talking to me, he gets all giddy still to this day. And it probably will never change for him. Listen, I got I got to say on that because I was not I, – I know of Ishai Scheinberg. I never met him. This is way before my time there. But he's like one of those guys, and I don't know if he's actually in the Hall of Fame or he was up for it because, like, I had a lot of people I saw, like, you know, people that, who knew him just like, you got to get this guy in. He's the man. He's the greatest guy, nicest guy, like a family guy. And I'll say, again, at – you know, stars, I work with Melanie, Scott, some people, and I had a great time, great relationship. I, I have nothing ill to say about, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed my time there. But, like, Rob Young, Phil Nagy, like, those to me, those are people I know 
that are like at that level, they really love poker. Like they do. Rob Young, he's watching the the, the stuff. Phil's playing, you know, he's he knows world, he's so excited for poker. And I've been at the cage and he's playing, you know, he loves it. And Rob loves it. And to me, you know, that's important to have people that care about poker and that really, really genuinely care. Like they really yeah. feel. And that's like to your point, you know, that is a nice feeling. And that's not and again, I can't speak on GG, some of the other ones, but like I know my from what I hear and what I personally know. And just not just because it's not just like you or me, right? Like it's one thing that you're you're like no, they're gonna treat you, but like I know all the people that are at party, all the people with with ACR. I know how Phil treats them and how people feel really good and have that access. And yeah, that's that's a that you can't really replace that. That's worth a lot. I mean, that's not even like forget the money or whatever the deal is. Like that is uh, reassuring that you know, like you're not gonna get buried into like you know, like not have your voice heard and, and, and you can get a hold and have access to who can make decisions. So uh, very, very cool, very important. And, um, you know, again, we're very lucky for that to be on to do that. Uh, what What is, uh, I got to talk about your name, man, Moneymaker. It's a great name. And I actually, people ask that all the time and po- who don't know poker, like it's not really his name, right? He changed it. But your family name was a German background and you actually did change it or your family changed it. How, how long ago was that? Was that the generation before you or how long? before it's been many generations before me supposedly it was neumacher which yep. is german and they made silver and gold coins okay and you know i guess you're named after your profession a long time ago and when they went over to england um that's when the names officially changed to moneymaker and uh, my dad told me i mean we have a we have a uh, family history that it's actually moved online now but there's been so many male generations of moneymakers born um for you know a very long time. It's like, you know, we don't have females in our, in our bloodline very often because it's always the males that are born. So actually my daughter was like the first daughter born in the moneymaker bloodline in a long time. And uh, you know, it got down to where the bloodline might've died. If my last son was a female, like we wouldn't have a moneymaker going forward, but then we had my son. And uh, so we'll carry on the name again. And, you know, he'll, hopefully uh continue the the trend of money makers i i love it man it's 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 too good it honestly some things just seem they're just they were meant to be they're just scripted so you know you talk about this probably 500 times and and it's probably i don't know maybe it doesn't get old i i don't think it would get old it's like you won you have the most it never gets old it's fun, right? It is. I, I, I get excited just thinking about it because for me, like many in my generation, we were, that's what happened. Rounders and Chris Moneymaker. You were, it's either both a combination of some or 80-20 one way, but that's what got you into poker. Uh, tell me, that for those that somehow don't know, and it's been a while maybe that they've heard this, but you literally won a satellite. You were, uh, I believe you had a child uh, three months before the main event. You won a satellite uh, for $86 to get into, was that one satellite to the 10 or 86 into another that you won? You had to win two to get in. Is that right? Yeah, it was $86 and you had to win that one. And that got you into the 615 buy-in. And then you had to win the 615 buy-in, which they're giving away three seats. Fourth place in that event actually was 8,000 in cash. And you tried, and to that was that. my goal. You were trying to lose to get that. I was trying to lose. I didn't want the I didn't want the seat because way back then, if you won your seat, you couldn't sell it. Like you couldn't you had to play. It was not a right. a choice to play the event or not. You had to play. And also back then there wasn't this whole, you know, right everybody knows now how to sell action and you know what markup is and you know right. first of all, I don't think I would ever sell it in markup, especially back then. Um so, but you know, I had, I would have a seat and 
that's it. If I bust the main event, then I, I basically went through all these steps of this tournament and I got nothing to show for it. Right. So, um, fourth place was my goal. I mean, you know, I had about $8,000 in, in debt. So that's all I wanted. I was going to be real happy with it, with us fourth place. Right. So, so did you actually try to punt it off or like, was it like close or you were just going all in every hand? And obviously that actually ends up, that's pretty powerful. Sometimes that's the most dangerous way to play in a satellite. So what happened? You were just kind of going in or were you calling off to lose or were you just shoving? No, I, I was, I was actually chip leader. We were starting to get down. There's like five people left and we were talking about, um, you know, making a deal. And my buddy was watching from his house, um, watching me play. And he saw the deal making process going on and saying, I want fourth and someone else wanted fourth. Um, so, you know, I was trying to position myself to get fourth and, um, but it was more in the, in the negotiating standpoint. And he called me up and he's like, dude, what are you doing, man? Just take the seat. I'm like, man, you know, my situation, eight, eight grand is going to be awesome. Like, you know, I could pay off all, all my credit cards. And then he makes a valid point. He's like, you know, you'll be back in the same boat and fucking, six months. And I'm like, yeah, but I'll be, at least I'll be, at least I'll be set for a while. And uh, he's like, listen, I'll give you three grand or five grand. I'll buy half your action and I'll take half of whatever you win and go out and play the world series. I'm like, okay. That's a, and you get a thousand dollars too. If you won the seat, that was, you know, they gave you a thousand dollars for travel expenses. Right. So it's like six grand, you know, it's you know, 2000 less, but I also get to go do a bucket list item and play in the world series main event after watching rounders. It was definitely something I was interested in doing. I'd watched Robert Varconi win it the year before um, and it made Helmuth shave his head. He played so bad and won. So it was definitely, you know, it was like, okay, well, if that guy can do it, maybe I can do it. But the problem is that guy was an MIT, like super smart guy. And I'm just some dumb hit from Tennessee. Oh, you so, University, University of Tennessee accountant, Chris, come on, man. Don't, don't, that act's not going to work here. I'm oh, this is too late. You've already done it. You've won the main people know. It's you're- not MIT brother. It's not MIT. Right. But it doesn't matter. Hey, look, I'm a, I'm a, they don't, they don't make movies about accountants from Tennessee. Yeah. Unless like you're <laughs> Ben Affleck and you're killing how people. There, how is there not a poker movie about moneymaker, man? Like that. I mean, that thing it's gotta, it had, there's gotta have been discussions about this, right? I mean, have you been approached? Did like that? It seems like a very good story, and it just almost like a yeah. I've been I've been approached by several producers, several um, directors, and um, you know we came close a couple times. Um, the thing is, is you know every time that we start talking about a movie deal, someone wants to buy my rights or buy you know buy my life story or whatever, and we can't come to a financial. They, they went offer a dollar or something for like to lock it up for like two years so they can develop the story. Um, and, you know, after hiring attorneys and stuff, they're like, no, you're, you know, your story's worth a lot more than that. You can't lock it up. You know, can't give, don't give away your rights. So I've maintained my rights for all these years and the, the right situation will come along eventually, probably when I'm gone, but um, that's generally how these movies work. Cut off. Uh, we're in, we're close. We might live forever. It's either us or our kids, but some, uh, don't worry, just hang on tight and we'll get it. Something. And if it, I got, uh, if my buddy Ryan's listening, I got a feeling, man, that, that just feels like too great a story. There's uh, it just, it just feels like it's, it's gotta be. So we'll see, we'll see what happens on that. But so let me just let, let's replay this. So you win the satellite, you win the six fifteen, you get the seat. What's your feeling when you win it? Were you like, was it like, Oh boy, you know, like here we go. Like, did you study it all? Did you do any more work or did you just like win the seat, sold some action and you showed up in Vegas? 
Well, you got to realize, you know, poker back then was not what poker is today. I mean, if you win a seat into the Venom or you win a seat into the World Series, whatever, whatever you win, you can jump on and get coaching from basically anywhere. There's so many avenues to learn how to play poker in today's world. Back then, there was no poker training videos. There was no um, ways to get better. You had to go read Super System or you had to go read – uh, Mike Caro's book of tells. I mean, that was like the extent of poker knowledge out there. So it's not like you could just go study. Um, I was excited, but also, you know, at the same time realized that I'm going up against a bunch of world champions, which back then to me, world champions were these mythical creatures that could see into your soul and tell right. you your two cards before you even looked at them. Right. Um, back then I only knew three poker names. I knew Phil Helmuth, Doyle Brunson and Johnny Chan. I knew the first two or the last two from rounders and Helmuth. I just knew he had won, you know, a lot of bracelets. So I knew he was sort of, sort of the uh, um, best poker player. Those three were the best poker players alive back then. Um, but I knew all the pros were going to be good. And I'm just some random guy that's played with his friends and want to see it online. So right. um, I wasn't overly expecting much. Um, I was hoping to get through the first day. Um, I joked with my bosses at by the restaurant group I worked at and told them if I if I win I'll be back to work Monday morning. But can I have the week off to go play this? They were like, yeah, man, you know, whatever. They didn't know anything about it. They're like, yeah, go, go have fun. And it's pretty crazy actually looking at it how the payouts are right. So eight hundred thirty nine entrants. They only paid sixty three. That's less, way less than ten percent. I mean, that, that, so they were going for that juicy, that juicy top prize to make it, I guess, lucre, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's the word? You know, they want to make it juicy. They wanted people to come in and advertise that. But wow. So like, really, that's crazy. That's like nowadays, this would be paying, you know, 120, right? Or, or roughly like in that range. That's a huge difference. I mean, they're talking about. Well, again, that's where poker is so different now. I mean, they used to, I mean, if you played a poker tournament, it was hard to cash because they were paying like 8% of the field. And, right. and you know. I actually had a discussion about this online on a, on a online uh, a guy this morning about ACR's payout structure, how he says it's too flat and it needs to be 10% or, you know, 12%, not the 20% that it is right now. Um, and, but I think as an industry, we're all going to that flatter payout structure to keep money balanced in, within the economy. I mean, you know, I can tell you from experience um, that it's really brutal to bust ninth and make X amount. But if you would have made eight more spots after battling through thousands and thousands of people, you 20 X your money. I mean, it's just pretty brutal. So pay out a little bit more down the way and spread out the money. It's better for everybody. And, you know, more people make the money, more people have money. And I think that's just the way that we're all going in, in poker. And I think that's one way that we keep poker you know, relevant and keep people playing. But yeah, it was a different time back then. I uh, I agree. I, I I completely agree. I also I think that it's uh, you know now you see bounties, knockouts, these other tournament for, for, uh, formats people really like. But the thing about knockout, you got to remember too, it's like you're basically recycling a lot of time. You'll get a quarterback, a halfback of the buy-in, and that that's pretty powerful. And although like some of the you know elite elite or people might say, oh no, but it, it is kind of uh, it makes it a little more fun and less pressure and more you know it does recycle for the operators, but it also keeps you know, in general, people in more action and have more fun and it gives you a new 
new variation to play and, and kind of understand. So you know, I think I think that's all good. But let, let's just go through. So then how many days was this tournament and, and what was it like? For you, I mean, they talk about the ultimate excitement. You're, you know, country boy. You're from, you know, living in the South. Go to Vegas. Have you ever been to Vegas or first trip ever? I'd been to Vegas before, but never for poker. Uh, you know, I'd played with friends and stuff, and my, me and my dad had gone out and played blackjack. Um, so I'd been to Vegas before. I'd never been to downtown Vegas, so I'd never been to Binion's, didn't know anything about Binion's. Um, when you walk into Binion's, it's not like a normal – I don't say normal casinos, not like other casinos. You know, you walk into other casinos and the ceilings are 20 feet high and there's, you know, anybody that's been to Vegas knows that, you know, what to expect. Well, you walk into Binion's, the ceilings feel like they're like six feet tall. Like they're like right on top of you. You feel like you're walking into just a normal small building. And, you know, they have, at the time, they took all the slot machines out and put poker tables out, spread out through the the building um, because the tournament was about ready to start. So we had satellites and cash games downstairs. They had a bullpen upstairs. They called it um, Benny's bullpen where they had probably 40 tables um, filled in this room. And outside that room, how they kept track of everybody is they wrote you up on a, on a uh, uh, whiteboard with a magic marker. Like if you registered in the event, they would write your name up there. And that's how they kept track of how many players and um things of that nature. And that was, that was, you know, unique to um, the world series for many years. And that, that, that was a cool thing. It was a cool feature, um, but it was definitely not what you would imagine Vegas to be. It was, um, you know, a couple of years ago, they had, before I played, they had smoke in there. So they said when the people smoked, I mean, smoke would come to here. It was, you had to like duck down just to get below the smoke because of, you know, smoking wasn't allowed. Thank goodness. They, they banned smoking, so we weren't able to do that. But, yeah, the ceilings are super low, and it was uh, just a different feel. So going in there, you know, I was extremely nervous. Um, I didn't know what to expect other than the fact that I was going to be the worst one in the field. I knew that going in. I mean, there's no one else that was going to have the limited experience that I had. Everybody else was paying ten grand. I paid, I'm paying 86 bucks. What, what, what percent? So I get there, and uh, they tell me that, Two guys are waiting for me in a hotel room to give me a bag to welcome me to Poker Stars and uh, to play on the team. So went up there, got my bag, said hello, and they're like, "Yeah, good luck, see ya." Don't see them for like four days because they don't think I'm going to do anything, which I don't either, to be honest. Um, so basically, start day one of the main event, super excited, playing, and you know, one guy wins a hand to my right, and someone said, "Nice hand, champ." I'm like, "Champ, who?" Who the hell is this guy? And Binion's, they have pictures of all the past champions on the wall. So I looked at the guy, you know, trying to get a good look at his face and trying to remember him. So I walked over the wall and looked at the wall to try to find him on the wall. And sure enough, it was Dan Harrington uh, sitting two to my right on day one. And it was funny because someone had said this probably four hours into the day. And he was one of the ones I already pegged as wasn't going to be that much of a troublemaker. Like he wasn't going to be hard to play. Um, because he was so tight. I mean, he just didn't really play any hands. So he was never picking on me, even though his, he was on the button when it was my big bond. He was never picking on me. There was this guy that was also wearing a Poker Stars patch by the name of Jim Worth. He was constantly raising my big blind, constantly picking on me, and it really irritated me. Um, so he was the one that was giving me a lot of headache. And there was another guy that was actually wearing a Paradise shirt, I believe, Okay. Uh, which anyway, I know that was like the biggest site back in the day. 
And I started talking to him on a break and I asked him how he got in. He won a, he won a lottery. He was a 50 cent, $1 limit player. And he won like a drawing. So I'm like, all right, you're my huckleberry. You're the guy I'm going to pick on to begin with. So I started picking on this guy. It helped my confidence. And, um, you know, basically it was just, you know, we started with 10,000 in chips back then. So you got dollar for dollar chips. It's not like today where you start with 50 K, but 10,000 chips seemed like forever, like a ton of chips. Right. Um, so I just tried to make it through the day. That was my whole goal was making it through the day. Right. And, and, and was, did you ever like, give me a little bit of an understanding on your, on your, your day then did you go, were you immediately, did you ever drop below 10? Were you down to like two or did you kind of have a smooth day? You stayed steady and just kind of, what did you bag? You, do you remember your bags roughly? Like, did you double day yeah. one? My, my first day I bagged 60 K from the 10 oh, K stack. Oh, wow. And I were, I do remember every single, we, we play for two hours and you get 15 minute break in the main event. So every single two hour window with the exception of one on day two, I increased my stack. I was always moving up. I was always trending in the right direction. I had a dream ride. It was really the easiest poker tournament ever because things just ran really good for me. Um, you know, when I flopped sets, um, someone else had the overpair. When I had the overpair, they bricked and tried to bluff. Uh, the only hand that really hurt myself was I had ace 10 uh, on a 10 high board and got in a lot of money against Kings. And um, that hand hurt a lot. And that was on day two. That was significant. I walked outside and, you know, was really depressed. I thought, you know, this was going to sort of come to the end and, and that was going to be it. Um, so it was pretty short and I was frustrated um, but I walked back in and the very next hand I get dealt aces and almost double up right away. Um, and after that, I went another hand and I'm back up to where I was. And all of a sudden, you know, life's good again. And, you know, I was so mentally fragile back then that if I ran bad, I think I might have blown up and done some crazy stuff. Um but I just ran good and, um, you know, got in good spots, made right moves at the right times. I mean, I bluffed, you know, I remember bluffing Scotty Wynn. I bluffed, uh, uh, I can't remember. There's a couple other huge bluffs going into day three and day four. Obviously, um, the one you're showing on screen here, um, busting Johnny Chan was hugely significant. It gave me, cause again, he was one of the few players I did know in poker and the fact being able to bluff the, bust him gave me all the confidence in the world to uh think that i could actually play with some of these guys and do okay yeah i mean that's pretty crazy right you're there you got you know you got those glasses those famous glasses and the look and you're in there and you got you say you got phil helmuth johnny chan around and and you know the big names and who you know i mean it must have just been surreal i mean this was uh this has got to be just out of a, a storybook man it really is it's uh yeah what a when you see these this footage and, and being on ESPN, like what was the experience? Were, was were people texting you during? Was it I forget was it live? Was it on a day delay or did it was just taped later? Were you like were people as you got deeper? Were you getting uh, were people you know blowing up your phone and was it because uh, it's different nowadays, right? With social media and how in touch everyone is on everything on every second. Was it like that or were you kind of in your own personal space and then you made the final table and some people knew? Well, there's no there was no social media. We we actually had a. a by this time, it, this aired six months after it actually, actually played out. So we played in like March, May, and it didn't show until August. Um, so by August, we had a home game that we were regularly playing. We scheduled it for the nights that this would come on TV. It came on like Tuesday nights. 
So, you know, we had 30 people in a home game playing cash games on different tables uh, ready to watch this. Um, but, again, there's no social media. Um, I don't remember text. I think we just had the old flip phones that you couldn't even really text. It wasn't like a thing where, um, you know, you're texting a lot of people. It's just, you know, you can see Johnny's little flip phone on his side of his uh, pants right there. Right. So you made phone calls. I mean, it, it, was a, it was a weird time. You actually had to leave messages and make phone calls. It wasn't. You know, I'm going to text and see, you know, what what everybody's up to. So it was a little bit different time. But I do remember sitting there and just turning to my friend as it first came on TV and just looked at him and said, am I that fat? He goes, yeah, you are. I'm like, all right, great. No. Well, that was my first reaction. This was in March? This wasn't in – the World Series wasn't in the summer? The World Series was not in the summer during that time. Nope. Everything, like I said, everything about what – you know, what everybody knows about the World Series of poker – is was different back then. I mean, nothing about the World Series is the same. Different location, different time, different chips. The chips look different. Crazy. I never play with those. And I love the dollar for dollar. That feels so powerful too, right? Because you're just like, you know, in your head, you're like, because nowadays you get 30, 40, 50K and oh, boom, lightning. That's when you just, that's a big pot. A little eight ball, Umberto, the shark going out there. It's uh, stars on stars, future crime uh, with Umberto going out. But uh, yeah, man, it's crazy. It's crazy because like that feels kind of more intense, right? Like when you have 55X starting, you get chips and you don't really think about it. But when it's dollar for dollar and you got what, a million in front of you or 800,000 chips, it's kind of like whoa like that's real you know that's that's pretty pretty wow those chips look so cool too man i hope you have some of those those speaking of like sports cards and memorabilia that would be kind of cool to have some of those uh those chips now and then then sign moneymaker chips just have have some of those from the uh the old world series but yeah man so so when did you think you could win when did it hit you that like all right i'm gonna like because the money was the bubble intense did you have a lot of chips on the bubble or were you were you kind of like just trying like because as someone who satellite in you that bubble's huge right you've got to lock up the real money you don't want a bubble were you were you healthy or were you in a little bit of trouble then no like i said i had a pretty dream ride so every two two levels i was going up so by the time the bubble got there i was one of the chip leaders and i didn't know that this was a thing but i thought i was the coolest guy in the world because you know, I think you got paid like 17000 or something. No, it was more than that. It was like 20 thousand for cashing. I mean, you pulled it up there earlier. They were paying that much. But I thought I was a cool cat because I knew how to abuse the bubble before bu- abusing the bubble was cool. Um, I was raising people with garbage hands and making plays and putting pressure on them because I had all the chips. Right. So I just thought I was, you know, this pretty cool customer because I knew that they didn't want to bust and they couldn't bust me. So... I was like, I'll just keep raising. And it just, it worked. And I was just accumulating chips left and right, um, you know, outplaying people. What I thought was outplaying people when it was technically just doing what you're supposed to do on the bubble. So, you know, I will say I instinctively played like you're so, kind of supposed to play, um, but not on purpose. It was just, I thought I was being a, you know, a, a good poker player. And I, I, was, I was super sharp. I love and, uh, I love it. And so I was doing once, just the standard thing that everybody does today. And, and once you, once the money bursts, you know, you're in, you're, you got one of the top stacks. So what are you thinking at this point? Do you have goals? Are you like, let's make the final table. Are you like, I'm just going to keep like, what was your mindset once the money hit every day, just get through the day, survive the day, move tomorrow. Um, that was the mantra every single day. It wasn't, you know, get to the final table. It wasn't try to win. It was just get through the day. I mean, you know, as long as I made it through the day and got to play tomorrow, I was happy. Um, 
And, you know, once we got down to this is, you know, obviously the Ivy hand, this is like four in the morning. This is one of the hand. This was at four in the morning. This is four in the morning. This hand I remember from uh, this is like the most the most memorable hand, I think, from, you know, he's wearing that Francis jersey, the Ivy. You know, he was everyone's kind of whatever, like superstar, like young, upcoming. uh, Everyone kind of, you know, this is it was just I had no idea who he was. Zero idea. Yeah. I I can't remember if I knew people knew of him or if it was. if like this was what made him kind of around Dan Goldman who worked for poker stars at the time, he would give me a rundown every morning of who to watch for. And I remember he was one that he told me to be careful of. Yeah. I mean, just, just, this is an absolutely outlandish hand. I mean, this is how, how, how big, how much percent of your chips was this? Cause uh, you know, this is uh, I bet 75,000 75, on the flop. Uh, Ivy had started the hand with half a million and I had 1.5 million. So if you bust me, we both have a million. Um, he called the 75 and what people don't understand on the turn, I bet 200,000, I bet half his stack. So when he moved all in, it was only, I only had 200,000 more to call. And if he wins, he's got a million and I've got a million, but, and I already told myself, once we get down to this point, I am not busting on the bubble. So it was like a 0% chance I was going to bust here or bust, you know, before the uh, final table, I was going to make the final table. I, I would have walked away and not played another hand if I had to. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, you can't blame you here. I mean, look, you got essentially the nuts, like sixes or nines, like no other hand is even possible. And, and, and even then, like he could have King queen, obviously, right. Like their queen Jack, there's a lot of, there. it's just like when he raises there, it sucks, but like, I, there's just no way you're laying it down, you know, not an expression. I wouldn't lay this hand down today, much less back then. Right. I mean, yeah, this hand is just a sick, sick cooler. I mean, it's crazy, uh, crazy to think though, you know, Ivy, uh, this was a big pot for him. Um, I'm surprised too. He went all in, right? He did go all in, right? Like on the yeah, he went all in, and I don't know why you'd be surprised. I mean, he knows he has the best hand at this point. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like he's not really scared of anything. And I just don't know if I wasn't scared of anything either. I mean, if he has pocket sixes, the only thing I really thought he might have. Obviously, I wasn't very happy when I saw his cards. Yeah, this is uh, this is pretty, pretty, pretty wild hand, man. This is one. Of, this is the hand I remember, and I think there's Amir Bahidi there too, right? That's the famous. He said, "In order to live, you must be willing to die." That that's like his yep. thing, and he was. Uh, he I think he did pass away later, uh, maybe five or so years ago. But yeah, I remember these are some characters. I mean, this was such a. I mean, just I mean that is just lightning in a bottle. You can't really. That had to feel almost as good as winning the whole thing, right? I mean, that's just. What a what a card, man! What a spot that took you guys to the final table. That took us to the final table again. It was four in the morning. We've been playing ten handed for literally about four hours. I was tired. Everybody else was tired. I think they were as excited as I was, even though maybe they didn't show it because uh, how late it was. I just wanted to go to bed. I mean, it was brutal, and um, you know, I get snubbed on the handshake right here. Um, he just he was in a weird like zone. He, he later came back. We talked it out, and we're we're good. But um, definitely a life changing card. Yeah, they cut away from it, but yeah, it's interesting that he didn't give the handshake. That surprised me, but I guess like it's a pretty. There's nothing more emotional in the World Series in the moment, but I guess kind of you know you're the obviously the amateur. You know, I think yeah, in hindsight, Phil would be say that's that was not his best, but uh, yeah, I, that's good that you guys talked. You know, about you, it. you can't hate him for it. I mean, it was probably one of the worst beats he's ever taken in his life, but it was also the best beat he ever took in his life. Right. Yeah, that's exactly. Um, now, tell me about this hand. What's going on here? I mean, this is again. This seems just like kind of great poker instinct. You got like a blocker to the straight. You got the king high spade, and and you're involved, and you just. 
you just you just went for it. Is this what happened here? What- yeah, I mean, obviously we're heads up. I know that Sammy wants to use his experience to to try to grind me down and you know um, run me over, but he doesn't want to play really big pots. So and you know again, if this this hand was played today, there's almost no chance he folds. Um, you know, first of all, people are just a lot more educated and, and kind of know ranges and things of that nature. But back then, everybody was just putting everybody on one single hand. And I actually put them on the ace of spades with um, like a middle pair type, like ace six or ace deuce, ace eight, something like that. And I really thought I could get him to lay it down. I was pretty almost confident he didn't have a flush. So actually, I wasn't going to shove if a, if a spade king. So I was worried my king of spades might not be good. Um, but I was obviously hoping for a straight, um, hoping for a king. Uh, That's if I missed, already made my decision. I was going to go all in. What a what a just telling them all in, man. That's got that's so like you're just in the zone. Like this is so sick. One of the great. And I mean, what do you? How, how what, what was the significance if he were you all? This was for him to win, right? If he called, it was over. No, no, no. If he called, he had about I had about two to one chip weights, so or about even in chips if he calls. Um, maybe he has a little bit more than that. Um, we actually replayed this. You know, we we had a heads up match that we started um, the same. You know, the same chip stacks we started back in the day. So I had like a two to one chip lead. Oh, you reenacted so, this? You guys played it out? Yeah, we played we played this out uh, a couple years later, three different times, where I had the same chips, then he got my chips, and then we had even chips to start with. And how did they? How did that go? I ended up winning two to one. I won the one I had my chips. He won the one he had the chips and I won the one that we had even chips. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. I mean, that's uh, in this hand right here. I mean, you know, again, I think in today's game, he's never folding. Um, he blames himself for being tired, but back then this was, you know, I hadn't really bluffed that much. I mean, that I'd shown, um, and he'd never seen me bluff. And that for this stage, I mean, honestly, just looking back, I can't believe that I bluffed at this point. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty. It's man, you just followed through. You know, it's easier said than done. But in the moment, you uh, you got it through. I mean, that was uh, you could taste victory. Probably you knew you got that one through. Like it's a huge swing. You're leaning on maybe a three to one lead or whatever to over. You know that that's big. You got the money on the table. The main event champion. Did you realize at that time? Had you had? Uh, had you had? Um, what, what's the word? Did did you realize what was at stake in terms of sponsorships or had they talked to you really? Or was there extra money for the final table or anything or nothing? And then they talked. No, there was absolutely nothing. I mean, it was, yeah, no, I had no idea. Um, I didn't know till six months later what, what was in store. I mean, honestly, I thought that, you know, I was going to win the tournament and go back and go back to work, which I did for eight months. So you did, you did go, you win this tournament, you go back to your regular job. You did, how was that coming back, man? They must've thrown a party and they must've been like kind of surreal. Right. Cause I mean, it wasn't aired yet. They didn't see it actually. They just, they go out here, newspaper article, you know, the word gets around, you talk to a buddy in the office and everyone knows. So they were updating it on the, on the, the new thing, this new thing called the internet. Um, it was really new back then, but what it wasn't as pretty as what, you know, now it was being reported via some news agency and, um, so they were following along back home, and we got done on a Friday night, um, boarded a plane um, Saturday, and got home. And we had a party Saturday, had the day off kind of Sunday, and then back at work Monday morning. Um, and showing up for work Monday morning was, you know, just like a normal every other day thing. I mean, it was, uh, 
and it's something I expected to do. I just didn't, you know, didn't expect to do it for eight months. And and what was uh what was your your thought here? Because like I don't know the exact stacks. If if he had doubled up here, how, was it was it a ball game again, or was he pretty short at this point? I forget. You know, I don't know. No, this is this is actually you know they did a lot of editing back then. This is the very next hand after the bluff. Oh really? Um, I got that. It was yeah. Like that. Wow. wow. It was the very next hand, and uh, I honestly didn't ever think that I was going to lose because at this point in my poker career, I'd never taken a bad beat. So. Right. Yeah, you just know I got two pair. He's drawing like it's so scary though. Now you know we've seen it all. The eight comes, you know, the counterfeits happen. Like this is, you know, it's math, right? It's just math, and it's it does happen. So, um, and 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 what uh, you know, it's funny too looking at it like the editing and just back then, like there's no, it doesn't show chip stacks, right? It's so wild. Like you just don't even know what's going on. Like if you, you, know, you double, is it all like is he is he does he have five blinds? Does he have a hundred? Is it like you know, it's just crazy that you don't know. Um, exactly. But so what, do you remember what was roughly how, how much would he have had? What would have been the, if he had doubled, what would have been the stack sizes? I, I think I still would have had a, about a two to one chip lead. Okay. So it would have been, you would have been sweating them. It would have been still pretty anyone's game. So there would have been a lot of work to be done. Yes. The, the, I did not want, obviously, you know, I'm pacing. I don't think I'm going to lose. Um, but you know, obviously seeing that final card and, uh, getting it through. Yeah. It was, a uh, you know, yeah. If anybody uh, could ever experience a moment like that, it's, it's something else. Um, that, yeah, pretty, 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 pretty incredible. So, okay. So you win that, you get the money. And so your friend had half or you had some pieces sold or what, or you had to you had half yourself or you. So, so my friend that was wanting half, he ended up blowing the money in the, in Tunica the week before. So he didn't have it. So I ended up no selling way. 20%. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. He, he blew his money in the casino and didn't have the five grand to, uh, to put up. Wow. That's a sick beat. It was a very sick beat. So I sold 20% to my dad. He gave me two grand and then I sold 20% to a good friend um, for another 20 minutes. So I had 40% outstanding to to people and uh, the rest was mine. And uh, it was, you know, I was actually looking to sell more action, but no one wanted to buy. (laughs) I mean, I was looking to, you know, sell maximum value. Thank goodness, you know, no one wants to buy an amateur in a poker tournament. No one understood what that meant. Um, wow. So yeah, yeah. There's no stake kings or you stake back then. This was just uh, this was it. You had you had your telephone and a couple buddies and, and and whatever. So what did your buddy say? I mean, I don't want to. I'd say it actually makes me ill to think about uh, that. But like, was, I mean, because that's one of those spots. Like we've all been there, right? We're all happy. Like people w- wish well. If it's a good buddy of yours, obviously one of your closest friends who you're talking with and was willing to do that or whatever, like, was he, I mean, he might, that's something that's kind of hard to recover from. I mean, that's, it's a million dollars for, for like a 5k investment. Right. I mean, that's, that's kind of tough, man. That's a tough. Yeah. We were fraternity brothers. We were always real close. Um, he was actually out there. He was one of the ones out there with me in Vegas. One, there was one guy that invested, he was out there. And then the guy that was supposed to invest was out there. Um, you know, obviously he had to go see me win all this money and he was, didn't get anything. And it was, it was, Terrible for him. I mean, you know, as far as, you know, financially, but um, it worked out. And like he was here this weekend hanging out. Um, we still talk daily. And uh, he's, he actually uh, is in real estate now and doing probably better than me. So um, things work out for a reason. He never, when uh, Nashville flooded uh, 15 years ago, whatever, you could buy properties in the, the poor district for like, ten thousand dollars 
So he went out and bought all these properties and they had decided that right after he bought all these properties, they were going to develop that rundown district into the new hot area. So he just ran really good in real estate. And uh, so, yeah, he ended up doing that. And I don't know if he would have ever done that if he would have had half my money from the main event. That that's a good way to look at it. You know, I think in life and variance, it's like so easy in poker to look at hands or situations. And it's funny, right? You win a satellite or you win the, you know, the uh, big game on party or they, the venom, or do you win the $22 nightly or whatever? Right. So it's like, so it's similar with, with wagers and, and investments and betting you like that a certain amount Kelly criterion of your net worth or put a little in Bitcoin or crypto. Right. And you just don't know, right. Some, something could be the, the one or not. And it always, it doesn't necessarily correlate to, yeah, like other opportunities or sliding doors or the butterfly effect. So yeah, you can't really look at life like that. But when you're that close, like when you commit to something, it's like if you bet bet this and you take it back or you lose a ticket, it just kind of, it does feel, it's mentally, you got to be able to overcome that because that can definitely weigh on you. But then you, like you said, it might, it could actually motivate him. Maybe that like got him to be like, you know what? Wow, I, I had that. I need to figure something out. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to get it. I'm going to find it anyway. So yeah, maybe it all, uh, it all worked out for, for the best. So crazy stuff. You go home and you no, know, I do, you know, not to get too in the personal life or whatnot. I just, I do, I saw, you know, I remember an article saying, so you, you, you were having a baby, right? You're, you had a baby three months later, you're, you're married. Uh, and now all of a sudden, like you have a, you have a child, you're the main event champion. You mentioned, you don't even know like six months later before. So like when poker stars were like, wow, congrats. They probably didn't realize, right? Like what happened was you won. And then the company, all of a sudden they see this major boom and they're like, holy shit. Moneymaker's a guy, they contact you, start negotiating. How was that negotiation? Did you have to get an agent? Did you do it on your own? And did you, did, looking back, do you, could you have gotten a better deal at the time? Because like, you, like they're like, oh, like they know how much you're, how valuable you probably are. But they, you know, you're also like, what the hell? I'm going to get paid to be paid to be a professional poker player or like, you know, whatever deal. So how did that negotiation go? And and were you uh, were you fit for that? Were you do you think you were prepared in a way to handle that? Or looking back, would you have liked to have done something differently? Oh, I wish I would have done that extremely differently because I didn't know what um, to ask for. I mean, I asked for a piece of the company and um, you know some growth potential, and I wish I would have stuck to my guns because I think I could have gotten it, but. Um, at the end of the day, ended up, uh, the first deal, they didn't know what to pay me, but they like, listen, you know, we'll give you like five grand a month, um, just to, to wear a patch, you know, say some things. There was no social media, there's no Twitter. So it was just do interviews and, and stuff like that. So, um, and to be honest, like for the first like year, I just didn't do anything. I went back to work for eight months. I didn't play another poker tournament until February of the next year. Um, so they're giving me five grand to do nothing, like literally nothing. Um, I would play online, but that would be about it. And even then it wasn't, you know, there was no requirements. I, they were just giving me money to do nothing. So I thought, well, eh, it's not a bad deal. Um, right. Well, to be, to be fair, again, there's no standard benchmark right? to set against. Like there is, there is no standard. And like in your mind too, you don't really know the numbers that are possible or what it's worth or, you know, like who knows, even now with streamers and stuff, you know, I, I get this all the time where companies or people or friends like, Hey, how much, like I've heard some people guess, like people don't really know. And, and it's it, it, what the value is. And at the time where it's like, there, there's no standard, right? No one's sponsored. 
you're, you're like the original guy. So what are you supposed to do? What, what do you know? You don't know. And like, Oh, it's free money. And it's like this, I just won 2.5. I'm still working my job and I'm going to get some additional money. Like, uh, I don't know. Right. Like, who are you talking to? No, there's no one to really talk to, to ask. So you did it on your own then, or you did, or did, I did it on my own. And, um, Signed the deal. And then uh, the year later, I got an agent actually. And um, he was like, yeah, this deal's garbage. We need to, we need to change this deal. It was a two year deal. And um, he was like, yeah, we need to talk to him at the end of the two years and renegotiate. But this is why, you know, Esai was who Esai was is a year into the deal. Esai called me up and it's like, Hey, we're, we're tearing your contract up. Um, we're not going to honor the contract. We signed with you. We're going to renegotiate and pay you a lot more money. And wow. cause we see now that poker's booming and you've done a lot for us. So we're going to take care of you. And obviously, you know, that was a great phone call and I didn't have to go ask for more money. They actually came to me and just said, we're just going to pay you more. Uh, that's where I should have gotten the stock. That's where I should have gotten the ownership, but I didn't, I just got a, a race. That's the whole the mouse of cookie, give an inch, take a mile. Like, Oh, well, by the way, yeah, this is what I would like. And then, you know, maybe they, yeah, whatever. Listen, it's worked out. You got a great deal. You've been with them for so long and now you're on uh to, to the current, you know, next, next thing. And next thing that makes the most, most sense. And, and your buddy, do you have a, do you want to say hi to your friend? You still, are you in touch with these guys? Like what's your, your buddy's name? You don't have to give his full name. What was his name? The guy who should have had a piece, but now he's doing well. Is he- uh, Bruce Perry, he, he's my buddy. He's actually, um, he actually cashed five times in the row in the main event. He got 30th one year. He was making a deep run. Oh, wow. um, you know, he plays, but he only plays the big events. He actually just cashed in the Venom. Uh, he came up, uh, hung out at the house with me um, to play the Venom, and he just cashed in the Venom this past weekend. Um, okay. So, and I did as well, which um, part of the part of the whole ACR phenomenon came about during this quarantine period, you know, trying to figure out a way to play. And uh, ACR was the only option that I had to play. And I was having success there and ended up final tabling the Venom uh, midway through the year. And uh, wait, you final tabled the Venom earlier? Yeah, I final tabled the Venom earlier this year uh, or last year uh, in the middle of the pandemic. So I hit for like 400,000, which was nice. and during the phone call, you know, there, you know, this this is what sort of pushed my inspiration to go with ACR because I've got all this money on on a on a unregulated site, and I just don't know what to expect. And right. basically, everybody on the final table got white glove treatment for you know getting the money off. Um, it was super easy. They uh, withdrew the money the next day, and it was in my Bitcoin account. Um, I didn't know a whole lot uh, about you know, how that was going to work. Um, I'd never transferred that much money in Bitcoin. I had some Bitcoin, but it was stuff I'd bought on Coinbase and just sort of sits there. I didn't know about, you know, right. How that's going to work. So I'm sitting there like, Hey, Phil, can you just like send me like two bucks and just see if it comes through first. And, you know, he's like, yeah, sure. So he sent me a little bit and then then sent me the rest. And um, he did that with Marty who ended up getting second. Um, And, you know, basically everyone else at the final table got paid really quickly and um, I was like, well, that's really cool. You know, you have all this money, you can just get it out and, and, and move it real quick. And, um, you know, that sort of started my relationship talking with Phil as, you know, Phil found out, obviously, that I made the final table. And he was like, hey, can we publicize this or, or not? And I was like, no, you know, I'm a, I'm a Stars Pro and, you know, not don't need to be out there, you know, playing on other sites, even though, you know, we're in a pandemic. It's a terrible time. Um, 
but yeah, we can't make it public. He's like, my lips are sealed. No one will ever know. Um, you know, and he stuck to that. It was really cool. You know, he was a, a man of his word and um, he didn't let anybody know the cat never came out of the bag. And um, I didn't know that. I didn't know that to this day. That's actually fascinating. And congrats, man. That's a, that's a massive score online. My, you know, that's a, I've had some that, you know, it's funny. My biggest score was on ACR. It was a 25 hour Twitch stream that it was a $500 million guarantee. And I also, that's what kind of got me to feel confident because I got, uh, I think I chopped it three way for 141 grand and I got paid, um, you know, fully and BTC at the time. And I, I really had no, this was 2016, I think December of 2016. And, uh, you know, I didn't really understand the yeah, exact same thing. I was kind of like, Whoa, like I've gotten a little bit sent in from another, like an affiliate deal on a site, but I, I didn't really get it or know it. I wasn't sure I was really comfortable, but you know, that, that also made me feel good. I was pretty new into streaming and you know, they didn't, they didn't, I didn't have a relationship with them, but I got handled and, and no problem. So I also had confidence. I also realized the future of, of gaming and payments was crypto. And when I saw kind of ACR move that way, I thought that was cool. And the fact that on, you know, party poker, I don't know if people really know, but Luxon, uh, maybe you've heard of Luxon or not, but it's more like, this is, this is a way, you know, payments are becoming a problem online. Like there's stuff, rules and regulations in the UK. You have to show like, what your, your net worth is like, there's like $500 deposit limits for most people. Now, uh, regulation sites, countries are getting shut. Like money on and offline is very problematic in the KYC, KYT, know your customer, know your transaction. These are things that are happening. And you know, actually, again, I, I don't want to listen. I'm team party. I'm party poker. That's my squad. I'll just get, I can say that I do know Phil. I know one, I, I do believe in them and they've, I have full faith in what they've done. I've been to their offices organization. And like I said, I'm happy for you. you know, I think it's pretty clear the major Sites are, you know, Poker Stars, Party Poker, GG, ACR. Uh, you could throw 888 in there, and, and maybe you know a few others. Um, but in terms of reputation and and integrity and all that, like those are the ones that I feel comfortable that I keep money on that I'm not you know worried about. And either I have a personal relationship or know people that do, and and I can I can stamp that. And again, I think it's good. Like what I like about Phil and Rob as well is like they're they're about poker. You know, look, when I'm on, when I, and again, I'm not saying stars or whatever. I'm just saying Rob specifically, Phil specifically. I loved it. The streamers and team, Hey, you guys can play. Oh, the Venom, there's an $8 million guarantee. Okay. Oh, you know, like Gigi's got this world series. Go ahead, play stream. You, you represent party or you represent this site, but put on the best show. We're, and that's something Phil's always said to me too. It's like, he's like, you know, listen, I don't mind. It's a community. We're, 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 we're an industry. We need to build and help everybody. Cause it's good. You know, we need to be, there needs to be like a union. There needs to be alignment. There needs to be communication between the leaders. And and that's something that, again, I just, I know Rob and Phil talk, they've spoken like, and, and, it, and it's like, it's not a uh, separation. Whereas it's not as if, if you're scared or you can't do something or can't play on multiple sites, it's kind of, it handcuffs you as a player too. Like, listen, ACR or party poker, they don't have the best tournament for every single buy-in or every single time slot. And as a player, you know, you want to be able to play, you, you want to be able to do what's best for you as well. And then also help the, the, the site. So again, can't say enough positive things about my experiences with, uh, with that. And, and, you know, again, happy for you. And I'm happy that, uh, you know, again, during, during the, uh, pandemic, right. When you're a USA, you're at home, you what are you going to do? You can't play, you can't play on stars. You can't play in party or something where you're, where you're at, you know, it's uh, it's good to have some options for big, big pools and, and, and that, you know, you're, you're in good hands. So uh, again, I could, we could talk about it 
keep talking about it. But again, it's cool, man. It's great to see that. I'm happy that you're, uh, you're sorted out and and, and in good hands. Um, all right. So let's, uh, let's dive down. You, uh, so I was kind of touching on again, I don't want to get into personal uh, business. You're happy to move along, but so just to be clear, you had a baby, right? Three months after you're married. And I saw you make the statement, something like, you know, like your wife signed, like you, you got married at that time and your wife signed up to be a, you know, at home, a family kind of thing. And now all of a sudden you're like global, you know, you, you found poker, you love it, you're traveling and, and whatnot. And, and again, we can spend very little on stuff, but like you, it seems like this was, you know, it's like you, you made a, a quote saying, this is not what she signed up for. Right. And like, this wasn't, it's so kind of like a, like a whirlwind uh, trigger. And, and what was that like for you to kind of, uh, during that time, if, if you don't mind and happy to not talk about it either, if you want to, but like, yeah, no, it was fine. It was the toughest time of my life, probably. Um, you know, at the, uh, um, at the time, I was a stay-at-home accountant. I'd, I'd quit my job as a traveling accountant to be at, at home, and that's what she had wanted. And um, then all of a sudden, poker came along, and they were offering me a lot of money to go travel and, and play in poker tournaments and be away. And that was not something that she wanted. She wanted me to turn that down and be an accountant and do the 9 to 5. And I did that for a long time. But at the end of the day, you know, the – I guess the allure or whatever it is, like it was like a calling that I, I was just meant to go out and play poker and uh, be in this world. And um, she wasn't going to support it. Um, it. It's fine. It, you know, worked out for the best for everybody. Um, again, it was a tough time. I ended up giving her all the money. So I was officially like broke again after the world series, which was never fun, but um, I, you know, was able to maintain my, business deals and my sponsorships and things of that nature, keep them whole to myself and just give her the money. It's kind of the deal we had worked out. Um, but yeah, it was a tough time. I mean, you know, you're um, just starting out in life and, you know, you hit this major road bump where, you know, there's a cross section. Like we, we probably shouldn't have been married to, to, to begin with. Um, uh, we'd broken up and gotten back together so many times that um, it, it just wasn't meant to be. Um, we were never the, the, you know, this team, this fit that, you know, was going to work out. And uh, eventually we would have gotten divorced. There was like almost no question to it. Um, this was just sort of the thing that made it happen, I guess, if you will. Right. So that, that really sucked. And um, I was going to be out on the road being a poker player, you know, on my lonesome. And that was kind of, you know, the plan for a long time. And then I met my current wife by by random mistake a couple months later. Um, and, you know, my buddy that had bought the 5% and, or the 50% and backed out, he actually won a tournament down in Tunica. Um, and the prize money girl, girl giving out the money, he tried to hit off with her, trying to invite her back to Vegas. And she said she wouldn't come to Vegas unless she could bring a friend. And my current wife ended up being the friend and we met and, you know, I don't say love at first sight, but that's kind of what it was. And, uh, you know, we ended up, I was planning on playing a full World Series that year, 2004. And I had, you know, plans to play every event. And I met her and I dropped plans after playing five events and just hung out with her the entire time. Um, went back to Memphis to sort of hang out with her and just be around her. Um truly an awesome person and just felt blessed to be around her in her presence. And shortly thereafter, we got married and never was in the plans never was in, in the cards, uh, you know, or in, 
that wasn't the plan. Um, but now 15 years later, three kids later, um, 17 years later, sorry, God, time flies. Couldn't be happier. I mean, you know, um, not, you know, winning the main event was awesome, but God, I hope she never watches this. Marrying her, because she has a big head now if she hears this, marrying her was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, right. It was better than winning the main event was, was being married to her. Well, and if she ever hears this, I take this back, and she, this does not make it to any kind of recording. But, I, yeah, no, she's awesome. This may be a clip, and, and that's that's uh, that's that's awesome. And, and man, happy for you again. That's uh, that's that's great. And I, I gotta I gotta talk about luck. It seems like you're pretty lucky. I would say that's fair. You won the main event. You you find uh, true love. You get married. You got three kids there. And then let, let's just talk about this though, man. Because every I feel like ninety seven percent of the guests we've had over a hundred, so I could say that. Like over out of let's just take a hundred guests that are poker. Pretty much everyone final table their first uh, hand and mob, like their their first recorded cash, but. More impressive than what just your first ever is winning the main event, which that's pretty, pretty insane. I doubt that's ever happened before. Um, but let's just go here. What the you just you just followed up like your next cash tournament, your heads up for a so you almost just went chalk chalk like world poker tour. Your heads up, that's a real one too, right? This was the Bay 101 for five yep. years. This is the, the main event. And so you just go, oh Scott Wilson, man. There's Paradise Poker Man. You probably know Scott. You know him? Do you, do you remember Scott? I remember Scott. Yeah, of course. Yeah, good dude, man. I, I like Scott a lot. So he's, he's, uh, he's in the mix and you, and you go heads up. So what, what was this like? Was it like, were you laughing? It's Phil Gordon. Barry was a full tilt. One of the faces of full tilt and, uh, you know, experienced guy, but how, what was this uh, experience like? And how, how random is that? Just go first. And now you're about to win a WPT. Were you confident at this point? Were you delusional about your game? Do you think that you just kind of know at this point, like, Hey, I, I'm, you know, I'm an amateur that won a main event. Uh, and and like, what was your your feeling about your ability of your game at this moment? And then when you get heads up again, you got to kind of just think like you're just natural. Do you think you're the greatest of all time at this point, or did you are, or did you think you were the greatest of all time when you won the main event, or were you kind of like I, you know, I got pretty lucky? Or what was your overall feeling during this period? Well, you know, it's kind of hard. I, you know, I definitely felt like I got lucky. I felt like I, you know, I knew how to play poker. Obviously, I just won the main event, but there's nothing to compare it to. I was playing against a bunch of friends and a bunch of acquaintances around town in cash games and. None of them were very good, so I was winning, you know, a lot. But again, I'm not playing against anybody that was really strong, um, and I couldn't. There was no poker tournaments. It wasn't like you know today where you can go find. Well, well maybe not today, today because of the fact of the virus. But um, you couldn't find poker tournaments. Poker tournaments just didn't happen. Right. Um, that was actually the next tournament I played. It was eight months later, and uh, that's when I ended up quitting my job. Was after that poker tournament. After I got second in that poker tournament, when I made the decision I can do this full time. Um, and I remember that tournament was a lot different than my main event when when I coasted that tournament. When we were down to fifteen people, I was in last place. Um, I was the shortest stack all the way from fifteenth to like eighth place. I mean, I never had chips. I was always, you know, having four or five big blinds. Um, I, I just, I couldn't ever get anything going. There's Dan and Gron who was in the field, but down there, mm-hmm. um, Prelod Freeman, if people, you know, remember uh, that name, um, you know, anyways, but I was always, you know, really short, but I remember Matt Savage, it was his tournament. He would always come over to me like, dude, you've got to make this final table. We, we you, you've got to make this final table. Cause you know, this was when really the, the main event was, still just so hot and they were looking forward to using my name and the publicity of me making the final table. And so, you know, I grinded that short stack. Like I've never grinded a short stack ever again and ended up making the final table. 
made some moves on the final table. And this was, I'll never forget. We got down three handed Phil Gordon, myself, and um, uh, I can't, I can't pronounce the guy who got third, but he was real short. And the guy was real short, moved all in and helmet or not helmet, but Gordon called Gordon had me covered by just a little bit, like, you know, not much at all. Um, and I woke up on the big blind with two jacks. And so I had to turn to Matt and ask him, this is how completely new I still was, as if we both bust at the same time, me and the shorter stack, um, do I get second? Like, I wasn't sure if I got second or third. Um, so he's like, yeah, you have more chips, you would get second place. Seems like a pretty obvious answer, but still didn't know. So at that point, I moved all in with pocket jacks. It's actually it's there because like you could, yeah, it could just be split it or something. Right. I mean, you're not sure. You sound like you've got a lot of, ex- you know, yeah. So, okay. Fair this is my second life tournament. I didn't know how this was going to work. I mean, you know, first in or second, you know, yeah, exactly. You want to know it's, it's worth, it's, it's a lot of money. It's a hundred grand difference. You want to be sure. Yeah. And honestly, during the world series, I'm, I was late for day three and I thought I was kicked out of the tournament because I didn't show up on time. So that's, you know, but I didn't know the poker rules and etiquette. I didn't know you could just get up and walk away whenever you wanted. You would just be blinded off, things of that nature. But so anyways, I ended up moving on with Jacks. Uh, Gordon thought about Ferrix is a big, you know, obviously he's a huge portion of his stack, like very significant portion of his stack. And he ended up calling it off with A7 and ended up spiking the ace to win. So he actually won three-handed. Um, what did the other guy What's that? What did Masood have, the, the guy who got third? Uh, like nine ten or uh, so he had two hundred cards to my jacks. And so Bill Gordon, after an all in and a call, called with a seven off. He called with a seven off. It was suspect, especially for today's game. But he called and he spiked the ace and ended up winning. Um, you know, I, I I win that hand. I probably win that event. But you know, again, I wasn't going to be upset. I uh, made a really good run, real happy. And at this point is the time that. I kind of feel like I know what I'm doing in poker. And as I've learned throughout my life, it, you know, some of the worst things that can happen to you as a gambler or as anything is having a lot of success early on. It can, it can be bad for you if you start sports betting and all of a sudden get hooked. It can be bad if you're a poker player and think that you're so good that you don't need to study. Um, because that's kind of what happened to me. I got real complacent as People started improving and people, you know, training sites started coming out and uh, people started getting into the game. People were improving very quickly. And I just was sort of stuck up in the doing interviews and loving my life. You know, I was in love and uh, met this new girl. So I was just, you know, being with her. I wasn't focused on my game at all. And I didn't focus on my game for many years. As if you go back to that Hendon mob, you will see that the amount of cash is, is very sporadic in the early days. It was, you know, not a whole lot of success. Um, you know, there, we go through periods of downtime of just not hitting much. Um, you know, maybe one or two a year that, that would hit and it's mostly men cash is, it's nothing significant. Right. 
what, what was this was this frustrating to you at some point like or did you literally just like you're like you had to deal with stars you're the guy everyone's coming up to you for for years you know i had joe hashem and Danaman on i think they were the following year was they all four or five maybe it was all five i think you were all three right so maybe money was it he was oh five oh five was oh four you know i'm talking about Danaman, who actually does my taxes still to this day and you know great guy and just one of those awesome fun fun loving guys uh had hat for his out you know he he got half but hashem you know who hit like in the the main boom right and it's like he's like a celebrity and poker and he's going to vegas and, and you're like you know you're gonna get stopped even to this day in casinos and places and maybe even just in general uh and and ask but like was it just like did you care really and and we're, we're about whatever or you said you were kind of you're in love you got a deal you got some money and you're, you're living the dream you're traveling so was it was it like oh man this is a little frustrating after six months a year or two of not having like a huge result it's kind of like being an olympian right or or you win you win a gold medal or, you know, this is very prevalent in Olympic athletes in particular. It's like a known thing where, you know, it's kind of get hard to get back to those highs. You hit like the main event, you're the best in the world, you get the money, the prize, all that. And now what, right? Like where do you go play in a 1500 or a side event or an EPT and in cash, you bust or you bubble. And it's a bit like, all right, like, so did you ever struggle with that kind of like missing that feeling or were you just like content and the whole time? Or, or did you deal with some downside period mental kind of like, struggles well i'll be honest that's where I've, I've really been fortunate being who i am and being an ambassador in the game and that's what has allowed me to do that i believe is i never intended on being a professional poker player my goal was never to chase bracelets or be the best player in the world be be you know like me and phil home we have very different aspirations and so you know even though you see a big gap on my on my resume there um, I wasn't playing a whole lot. I, I wasn't chasing tournaments. I wasn't playing, you know, if, if I got invited to a tournament, they paid my buy-in. Yeah. I'd probably go and, and show up. Um, if it was local, I would go and show up if it was in Tunica or whatever. I would go play, but I wasn't traveling just to go play tournaments. I was doing a lot of traveling for Canadian club liquor back then. And I was doing a lot of traveling for poker stars. Um, but a lot of it wasn't these big tournaments. It was a lot of appearances and a lot of just growing the game on a grassroots level. And I actually got more joy out of doing that and meeting people and hanging out and introducing people to poker than I did actually going and playing in these high buy-in tournaments. And they got to a point with the poker stars, you know, they part of my contract, they would be buying me into basically any tournament I wanted. And I was just never taking them up on it. Um, and it got to a point where I was like, you know, they'd buy me into a high roller and I never felt like I was good enough to win the high rollers by this time. I mean, I just hadn't studied the game. And I was like, listen, you're wasting your money. Put me in high rollers. Put me in like the 1500 events. Um, that's where my people are. That's where the people that I relate to are. Um, and the people that play the 25 Ks, they probably don't even care that I'm there that much. They play all the time. So actually, I just told poker stars, stop putting me in the big buy-in events and put me in the in the smaller stuff. Right. And, uh, and and I think that's interesting because I can relate with that a bit too. And, and having children, which you you have, and you have you had you know you have three with your I believe three with your current wife. You have one from your former marriage. You have four kids. Um, you know, it's tough. Like I got a two-year-old. I stream. I do some content. Like you're kind of. It's sort of like a funny thing because you you can't do everything. So it's like, all right, you're like a content guy. But before there was social media, but you're like the live guy. You're do you know you're doing some stuff. You still have interviews. You know, poker stars asking for you to do stuff, photo shoots, promos, right? Like you're you're doing stuff, but you're not like you. So now it's like, are you asking to be doing that? Plus, you know, now you got a you got a family. You got 
a relate like all this stuff. So where is like, yeah, it's hard to find two hours a day, an hour a day to throw into now, like getting on run at once or whatever was going on then. Right. So it's kind of like a, it's kind of a catch 22. It's like, you kind of want to do it and you realize there's stuff to do, but it's also like, look, I'm already, I'm working, I'm doing, I'm doing stuff for poker, but this is my role. Like, I don't, you know, so I, I actually struggle sometimes with that too. Cause like, I would like to study more. You know, I feel like I'm a good poker player, but I know there's solvers and, you know, deep world stuff. Like guys are going deep, you know? And it's, so it's like, it's kind of tricky. Right. And do you find ever struggling with that? Like, and what do you do? I guess let's just go with that. Do you do any type of work? Do you, do you chat with friends? Like what is your study regimen and how has it shifted over the last, let's say 15 years? Well, my coach is actually calling and texting me right now, which is kind of funny, but um, you know, for I would say 10 years, I probably didn't do a thing. I remember I approached a coach um, back in the day and we talked about opportunity cost and what these young guys are doing. You know, these young 21 year old kids are doing nothing but studying poker, getting better at poker, constantly improving. And are am I going to be able to do the same output? Am I going to be able to work on my game like that? Or am I going to have all these other obligations pulling me away from that? Do I want to spend time away from my family to do this? But I have such little downtime. And uh, the answer always came back, no. I would rather just spend the time with my family, do my other obligations, and not go half-heartedly try to improve. And it wasn't until really, you know, the last couple of years that I really got serious about trying to improve my game um, and be one of the better players out there. And um, part of the inspiration for that was, is, you know, seeing – all these tournaments pop up and um, just, you know, not knowing what the future held with poker stars and, um, you know, ambassadorships. I mean, you know, I've been with poker stars for so long, you know, it's like, well, what's the future going to hold if, you know, and by this time too, I mean, I always told people always have a backup plan. I've got so many friends that have been in poker forever and they hate it because that's all they do. Um, I've been fortunate that I can play poker when I want, how I want, for the stakes I want. And no one's, you know, had to back me or anything like that. It's always been my dime. Um, So I've been really fortunate from that. But, you know, what happens if I were to lose my sponsorships and things change? I mean, obviously, we had Black Friday. We had so many things develop. So I determined, well, I probably need to get good at poker. I need to learn how to play really good poker. So if something were to happen – I can support my family playing poker because if not, I'm going to be asking if you want fries with that because I have no other qualifications whatsoever. I mean, I haven't been in the, you are in a, uh, Oh yeah. You say, but you haven't done accounting or uh, you have to get relicensed or do some other stuff. That was like, yeah, 17 years ago or something. You were, yeah, my license is no good after 17 years. No one's going to hire a 40 some odd year old guy to come in an entry level position. Especially not the guy that's going to be on a cell phone, you know, playing on uh, playing <laughs> poker. You know, you're not. Let's be honest, you're not sitting all day and, and doing some accounting now. You, you, I, don't, I don't even know if I could work for somebody like work right. a full time job. Is I don't think it's even feasible at this point. So you know, at that point, I was like, I've got to do something to prepare um, if something were to happen. So I started trying to get good at poker, and I went out and searched for coaches and. Uh, went through different coaches and just tried to find um, people to help me improve. And um, some of that's been talking with friends. Other that's been actually going and hiring somebody. Um, and, you know, I've been working with, uh, I worked with chip leader coaching for a while and they were amazing. They did a really good thing. I worked with, uh, um, golly, I, 
he's going to kill me for not remember his name. Uh, Joe McKeon. Um, I worked with him for a little while, and then I got to say he, he is a tough guy. And you look at uh, you look at live like results, and you look at uh, you look at chip counts and stuff, and, and WPTs and stuff. That guy is just he's always up there. Like when you're deep, it's in the money. He's top two, t- top ten stack. Yeah. And he's just, he just has like that it live factor. And, you know, his personality is a bit, can be abrasive at the table. It's like part of his sort of thing. But, you know, I've talked to him. He just, he just, he's a guy, you know, cares. He loves it. He's a competitor and he want he's playing, fighting for every pot. That guy is a, he's a tough cookie, man. He's got, I think he's one of the, the best poker players. And I haven't followed in the last year or so as closely to, to what's well, obviously there's not a lot going on live, but like, you know, that's a guy, even a, two years ago or so you see live and he's just in every, he's in every Atlantic cities and the hair as he's firing and, and battling and, and getting results. So pretty, pretty darn good coach there. Yeah. Yeah. He, he I mean, he's a beast. So it's just, uh, not get anything wrong. He's, he's a huge, he's a huge beast. And he's one of the few people on this planet that can relate to my situation where you have a target on your back of being a main event champion. Uh, True. True. Mine might be a little bit bigger, but at the same time, he's still dealing with the same same thing that I'm dealing with. So it was good to you know have him as a coach for um, the time, and uh, I worked with him. Was really happy with that. Um, got a lot of really good knowledge from him, and then moved on and uh, started working with Faraz Chaka. And uh, you know he's been phenomenal. I'm still working with him, um, but you know recently I started working with this guy Rob Kroon who. Probably no one on the planet knows who he is, but is he, I know that name. He was a he played a lot of live. Was he in the main event? What's his name? What's his like online name? I, I do know that name. I think Trumping You is his online name on ACR. Yeah. He runs uh, Epic Coping oh, Epic Coaching. Um, what yeah. is their actual name? Hold on. Yeah, I know. I know. He's a, he's really good. I mean, that's the kind of thing too, Chris. It's like it's crazy because like I I've looked at a lot of different programs. You know, I work with Raise Your Edge, it's kind of mainly, but also like BBZ. There's Upswing. There's there's a uh, Chip Leader Coaching. You know, all like when you are ha- you have access, you could call these guys and you can do stuff. And it's like you start realizing too, like man yeah, why not try to get really good at something I'm doing all the time and like work in time to, to study? Cause it is, it is like, listen, I'm playing the events. I'm going to play online. I'm going to be around. Like I may as well really know what I'm doing because you have good instinct or whatever, but you know, learn and you, you, it's a lot easier to teach someone that has the experience and understand concepts and starting someone new. So like you may be one spot where you're overfolding your big blind. You're not three betting up. You're flatting the spot where you should be jamming, you know, 25, 30 blinds, late position with small pairs. Like certain things you're just not doing that are like easily fixable that you do on a repetitive basis can just can, can take such a big profit. And like, you know, I even do get work on my game now. And I'm like, man, like there's spots where I'm just like, blowing like i'm just like man like wow like i am fishy in certain areas and it's like i'm playing high stakes online tournaments and uh you know i may as well do this or shift 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 uh, that and take my advantage i do want to real quick mention your your score so kind of cool chris your first recorded hen and mob is a win and your most latest is a win that's pretty strong first first so you're uh that's a nice little uh that's a nice little thing you got going Chris. i don't know how you do it man you just that's everyone's got a style you gotta you got a winning style and also 400k online score uh, online in that venom from wago that's pretty sick that's your second largest score ever how did that feel how did that compare winning that money online to uh to hitting like let's say a comparable three or 200k score live what was the feeling just it's new right it's fresh and it's been a while for a massive score so what was that like it, it was really cool, especially the, the the fact that when you make a deep run, you're getting calls from the company like you know, they're trying to find out who you are. If there's anything they can do for you to help you. So you know, it, it did 
provide that white glove experience of like, you know, this is cool. I'm actually on a final table. That means something. And even though, you know, they couldn't say who I was, it was um, also really cool that just how, you know, they were really easy to work with and they were really, it was, it was a really cool experience. Um, I've actually, you know, I won the, the 5k buy-in on there. They had a, a special 5k tournament and I won that um, here recently. And then uh, I, I think I win the 1k like every other couple of weeks or so. So, I've, you know, I've been doing really well. Um, and, you know, again, part of that is good coaching. Part of that is, you know, being a good student, I guess. Um, but, you know, I get it. It's elite poker coaching. That's who Rob is, is working for, but um, or, or actually owns. Um, so I had a really a good run. And it actually started back um, the first bink I hit. I hit like a 50K bink right at the beginning of quarantine. And uh, so I had a really good, you know, quarantine getting back into the online streets um, year and um, kind of was toward the inspiration again with joining up with ACR was how I was treated and how responsive they were and just how knowledgeable they are with their, their player base. And, you know, I, I could not be happier. Just things just sort of fell in into place. And, um, you know, I'm sitting in a spot now where, I, I just couldn't be happier. You know, if we could get past this virus, we we're going to do some really fun things out in the poker world. And I get to do what I'm doing, but do it on a smaller scale to where I don't have to travel as much. And I'm going to be able to bring the family with me because um, they're not, you know, I'm not going to China and to Australia and all these foreign districts. Well, I actually did bring my family to Australia on the last trip before the, the virus hit, which was really cool. And it was, that, it was that trip that I realized I want to take trips that they can go on, that family destination. So Costa Rica, we're going to have the cage. I'm bringing the family down with me. They're all going to go. We're going to experience it. Um, we're going to pick spots that I want to bring the family to go on these trips with me and be a part of it and let them see the world uh, like I have for the last 17 years. That's, that's awesome. That's, uh, and how old are your kids? That three kids are with your current um, marriage? What is your, how old are they? Yeah. Like my current kids that are under, under the roof here are uh, 15, 12 and well, she'll be turning 13 uh, in a couple of weeks and then a nine year old. Wow. So, and, yeah, girl, girl, boy. And uh, how are they, how, what do they think about their dad being a professional poker player? And do they realize the the magnitude of the moneymaker name in poker and do kids like their friends when they come over, do they talk about it and they know about it? And like, yeah, I'm sure is that, is that like a fun thing for them or, or do they not really understand? They definitely understand. Um, we definitely downplay it. We don't, I mean, we don't hype on it. We don't really, everybody knows who I am around here, but we don't really discuss it. It's just, I'm just another guy with another job. That's just a little bit unique. Right. Um, you know, to be honest, when I was gone all the time, it was pretty tough on him. I didn't realize how tough it was. You know, that, you know, dad's gone again for two weeks. Dad's gone again for three weeks. I just didn't get to see him. Um, but being home, it's been, you know, I, I get to see him grow up. I get to help with the math homework. I get to go see all their games. Right. They're more involved in what I'm doing They're I'm more involved in what they're doing. My son said he wanted to start a YouTube channel. He's playing Fortnite nonstop. I started playing Fortnite with them. Um, yeah. You know, he broke his toe while we were playing basketball. I told him to put a, I put a bandaid on his broken toe. Uh, you know, I'm a great dad. You know, like, you know, rub some dirt on it. You'll be fine. Um, it's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's nothing. You're fine. It's one little broken toe. Yeah. You know, he had a friend over, so he, he was tough. He didn't cry, but I get to see these things and I get to be part of it. And, you know, it, it's been, 
you know, again, it's been eye opening that I can stay at home and, and be a part of their life and see them grow up and, you know, work at, you know, work at night when they sleep. I don't sleep very much because I'm playing poker at night. A lot of times um, I'll, I'll do interviews and stuff like that during the day like when they're at school. And, uh, you know, as I get into this relationship with ACR, we're going to develop a, a good streaming schedule and a good schedule that will, you know, give me a nice balance between work life and, you know, travel. I mean, I, I will still be traveling. I mean, part of what I do is go out and, and meet people and, and talk with people. And that's, you know, I don't want to go away from that. It's not like I just don't ever want to travel again. Right. Um, but again, I want to pick destinations that my family can go on if they're longer. And if, you know, most of the things that we've been talking about with ACR are going to be, you know, shorter trips. I would, you know, most of the trips that I had been taking recently have been two, three weeks long, um, you know, playing big, long events out of the country or, you know, going and grinding scoop, W coop, whatever it is. Right. And it's one thing to go away for a weekend or go away for five days to go away for two weeks, three weeks. That's brutal. Right. And you know, I just can't do that anymore. It, it, you know, and I've experienced a bit with my son's only two years old and with my wife, but you know, it's just different, right? Like different, even at, you know, baby, this and that, like it's not take them on the road and it's, they're not in their habitat, their environment. Like, Oh, it's cool. We'll go to the Bahamas or we'll go to Barcelona, but like you're in a hotel. It's not your normal thing. It's a lot of travel. It disrupts the children's lifestyle. It's not, you know, so that, that's kind of what I think is cool about streaming. And, and if you can be in a place or you can go for a period of time and get an Airbnb or somewhere that you're allowed to or, or stream, you know, for your, in your case, you'll be at your house, which is like, again, new. This is kind of got to feel refreshing, right? Like, wow, like I can actually work, promote, do what I love and, and, and be able to not disrupt my whole life. So, you know, that's something that, again, I'm grateful with party, doing podcasts, trying to find content when I am in a place that I can't play for real money that I can do stuff and party was open to taking that opportunity with me and realizing that, you know, and, and, uh, it, it is, it's like, a, you just want to, you want to make it ultimately, it's not just you, it's your family and you got to do what's right. So, uh, for, for, for everyone and make that decision. So, uh, very cool. Well, let's talk about us and the landscape of poker and what you're feeling, uh, right now. And I know you, you, you do do some sports betting and you've, you've talked about, it. you like sports sports is legal at a federal level. Michigan just passed real actually poker stars. Now, as you mentioned, they asked you if you would be willing to go to Michigan or Pennsylvania, there's real money there. I think MGM and parties coming and the States are kind of getting ready to go interstate. I think Jersey, and you know uh, Nevada have already teamed up. Delaware kind of it feels like. Do you think there's another boom? Like, is this happening? Where do you believe in a year, two, three, you'll see New York, Illinois? Is this going to be like, man, poker is just legal in the U.S.? Do you think that's happening? I've said for a long time that it's got to be California, New York. Those are the two states, the key states. That if one of those goes, then we have a real chance. Um, you definitely see all the sports betting stuff going live. And I think there's 26 states now that you can sports bet live in. Um, So that's the growing trend. And, you know, I remember back after Black Friday, I was like, yo, poker will be back. There's too much money to be made for them to, to, they want the tax revenue. Um, But the, the problem is, is there's not as much tax revenue in poker as there is in like sports betting. More people sports bet than they, than ever will play poker. There's always going to be more money in sports betting. Um, There's more, uh, money in daily fantasy sports in a lot of times. Right. Um, but the problem that we've had with poker getting legalized in the U.S., in my opinion, is we had a state like New Jersey legalize it. While New Jersey is a great state, it's not a very big state. It's not going to be a huge player pool. So therefore, you're not going to generate enough revenue to really move the needle. And that's one thing poker needs more than anything else is a player base to drive the games. It's not like 
sports betting where, you know, you're, it's an individual sport. You have to have other people to play against and you have to have a lot of people to play against to draw the big fields. So only being able to play in individual states or some of these smaller states makes it to where you're not going to get see those tax revenue dollars um, really take effect until you start merging the states and get some of the bigger states. So I think merging the states is going to help. Um, then if we can get a New York, California, the California is just not going to happen for a long time. They have too many people wanting, you know, they've got the tribes, they got the racetracks, they got the card rooms. Everybody wants a piece out yeah, of California. I remember they did the tour. I think you were part of that in Negronio and you guys hit like the, went through there and did it look at the time? Was it such a battle? Or was it like you knew it was an uphill battle or did they really believe like they could push it through with the tour and you and Negronio rubbing elbows? Did they, did they think that was going to like happen or they just were trying and they thought it was a long shot. What was the sort of attitude of that, that tour? It was basically pay as much money as we can to try to get legal and try to, you know, get politicians to hear it and, and do it. And then finally it just sort of came like almost like throwing your hands up and say, you know what, let's just drop this for a little while. It's not going to happen. Um, and then they tried to piggyback on DFS. They tried to piggyback on the sports betting, you know, you have the weed that's going across the country now. I mean, there's, there's so many things that are being legalized um, I, I do believe that we will see more and more states start allowing it and more and more and more states should. I mean, you know, it's not like we're killing puppies or killing babies or something. We're, you know, we're playing poker. It's, it is, um, it, it is quite a time to be alive. Crypto, uh, sp- sports cards, Pokemon cards, the top shot. Now this is something I listen. I'm obsessed with sports cards. I don't even get, I'm all my, a lot of my friends and people I know who know that I'm in sports cards are asking me, Hey, what do you think about top shot? I'm like, man, you know, I'm just like so deep into sports cards. I haven't really wrapped my head around it. And the experts I know are not really sure, but it does seem like it's blowing up like the crypto kitty stuff. And you know, I don't even get it. I think you like own a moment or something like you can own a moment of sports and then sell it or sort of trade it like kind of, kind of bizarre. But what about sports cards? Are you, you know, it's, did you collect as a kid? And I think you did mention you're affiliated or working with or talking to a business that's doing something with sports cards. So what's your interest level on that? Yeah. As a kid, I, I had so many sports cards and I mean, I remember like a Don Mattingly rookie card I had was worth like, 138 bucks, I think back then was just an amazing amount of money. Um, but you know, I lived through the whole era of there was 50,000 Michael Jordan cards, so they were worth nothing. Yeah. I mean, you know, there, I, I was getting back into the sports card space, which I still know nothing about, mind you. Um, but I was talking with a guy who was starting a company called Guaranteed Breaks, and he's going to buy cards from people breaking them live and, and, you know, offer the services that going through eBay and trying to sell them. Uh, you can sell them right there on the spot. So I'm excited about the project, but in talking with him, I've, I've you know, I've come to realize that sports cards are a huge growth industry and something that has evolved. Like I want, honestly, you know, my experience is always the, you know, back in the day when all the sports cards were, you know, mass produced and there, there were no value to them. Um, I didn't quite understand why sports cards now are getting valued, but now I know there's a scarcity to it and there's rarity and, and right. kind of what's going on and why that you have what you have. And um, so, yeah, I'm excited about getting into sports cards and figuring out, I don't have any cards yet. I know that um, the guy I just brokered a deal with went and bought me a couple, you know, I told him who my son likes. My son's a big front runner. So like Steph Curry, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, right. Messi, like he's all about, you know, 
the front runners in the, in the field. Like he doesn't like any of the the up and comers. He likes all all the MVPs, all the all the heavy hitters. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah. Thing. So they got me some cards coming for him on the way, and uh, he's not into it either. But I'm going to try and get him into it because that's that's something cool that we can do together. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to you know getting into it more and learning more about it and participating in some of these breaks and getting some cards and and having fun with it. And you know that's part of my Twitch channel is going to be you know obviously ninety percent of my Twitch channel is going to be poker. But I, you know, I plan on doing some of these breaks and, you know, having some fun with it and just trying something new. Um, that, that's interesting you say. I would love to know which exact it is and if, you know, connect me with them or, or let put them, let them know. Cause that's something I'm going to do. You know, I actually have like, speaking of breaks, let me just, uh, yeah, like kind of this stuff, right? Like I'll give you an example. I got, I got some of this, I got this box. I got a bunch of these, uh, for 400 bucks. This is like, uh, this was in September or something. I got these Panini Mosaic 2019-2020 box of cards, right? This is like 1500 now or 12, like 1300 a box. It was 400 a few months ago. And it's kind of like wine. And I'm looking at like some, if you had like an 86 box of Fleer that you got for whatever, it's worth like, I saw there was four of them went for 4.5 million, six boxes of 86 Fleer, like a box like this, a set. It's just crazy. And it's like, it's kind of like wine. It's fun. And it's got the gambling aspect of it. And like you're to the point, you know, you could break this. If you break it, it's worth less and it's gambling because it's going to go down, right? Like the, the value goes down once you open up like a car, drive off a lot, whatever. But there is that fun. It's like you get some buddies, you say, all right, let's take the NFL or let's just since this is NBA, right? We'll go Chris. Uh, with four friends we'll draft like i get eight teams you get eight teams and whatever card comes out so now you might get a you might get golden state as your team but there might be no curry so it's like you're gambling on the teams you get then you're gambling if you actually get the card is it a nine is it an eight is it a ten is it perfectly centered you know it's just and, and people love it and so now like to the point of the super bowl you could almost not even bet on the game you could say i want to buy a mahomes card or i want to buy a brady card and depending on that game the market is so liquid right now and there's so much going on you're actually the card will move significantly one of those cards on uh, on the result or if he's mvp or not right so it's like it just because and it makes sense because of the the, the the technology like in the timing like now you can look up car you remember beckett did you ever have those magazines where you like flip through the magazine that's what i always said that's where i found out how much my money my management was worth the, right. the books yeah, it, it, exactly. So like those books and now though you type it in and there's cool websites and you can scan stuff and there's data and you can see when the last one sold or watch it in an eBay or auction and tie it in. It's just like, it just makes a lot of sense. So I don't know. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bit obsessed with it. It's, it's become one of my really big passions and, and, you know, it's always nice sort of like poker, like, listen, video games are cool, but can't make money in video games. Like sports, it's like a thing like poker sports cards. You can actually have a hobby that's passionate, that's fun that you can work at, you know, maneuver and, 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 uh, you know, actually make a bit of money potentially. So, um, anyway, that's my rant. Uh, and, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's talk on that and connect because the breaking is getting very popular. People really do love cracking wax and, 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 and also to that point about your kids, they're at an age now where they're into sports and they're collecting. Right. So it's kind of fun. It's like a thing you can sort of do together, talk about it, teach money, teach like, Oh, look, there's grading or this guy went to this school. And, uh, you know, the, there's like stats and numbers and all these things. And it just kind of, kind of encompasses everything in under one thing that, that I think is fun. For he was the deciding factor in why I got into it. I wouldn't, if I didn't have a son to get into it with, I wouldn't get into the sports trading stuff. I mean, the sports cards. I mean, I wasn't that interested in it in the beginning, but now that I've gotten into it and seen, you know, what's going on, it's like, wow, you know, this is a whole, you know, crypto world that um, I can get into and play with. And, you know, I got into crypto back, seven or eight years ago and uh you know this uh, is a new world 
Yeah, it's, uh, it is. It's fun. Like I said, what a time to be alive. Crypto cards, uh, crypto cards and, and, and Hello Kitty and Top Shot, whatever else is going on and, and, and AMC and you know GME and whatever, man. It's a Dodge coin. Like it's crazy, right? You got guys tweeting out. Elon Musk sends a tweet out and suits it into hysteria. You got people storming the Capitol. There's COVID. Like it really is. Like talk about the Matrix, man. What is going on? We, where are we? What is? We've broken the Matrix. That's for sure. I mean, hey, you buy AMC stock, GameStop stock. Yeah, there's all kind. Of, you know, buy silver. Who, who knows where it's going to be tomorrow? What you know? What's going to be the the new thing? It's it's a fluid, interesting situation. That's for sure. Yeah, it's uh, you know, for the people that like to gamble a bit or have some have some risk and, and, lo- and luck and all that. Like there's, there's a lot of options for you to get your, you know, your, your, your uh, different <laughs> levels, right? Crypto can go up 20, 30% a night or down, go to sleep, you know, stock market, forget that boy. And they close during some hours, but crypto, no, that'll get you, uh, that'll get you full sweat. Anytime. I can't tell you how many times during the, that, this bull run, I've woken up looking at live coin watch just to see where the crypto is at. I mean, that's been, and then during the bull runs, uh, or, uh, you know, the, I'm sorry, the bear runs, like when stuff's bad, you, <laughs> there could be a week or two. You don't look at it. You're just like, I don't even want to see it. And when it's going well, you just refresh, refresh alert set for, you know, I don't think I looked at it the entire year of 2019. I don't even think I ever opened it up. Like I just like, yeah, whatever. It's out there somewhere. Right. Um, dead or you know it's down to like 3k bitcoin it kind of looked like oh man all those guys it's just so funny that people are so like you know the brave like they talk shit the guys are like talking smack when it's whatever and then the guys that have it are so you know talking and chirping online when it's good and uh it's a it's a, it's an interesting thing i do think it's it's past the uh critical mass right i think at this point banks people major leaders influencers are behind it people kind of get it you can buy it on paypal like you know people are using it online it's just it just seems like it's sort of in the the next realm of uh, reality, whereas before it was sort of like you know when the you know it's the- definitely coming to the acceptance role. It's it, it went from you know gray area, people don't know it's all used for money laundering and everything else to actually there's a use function now and people see it as a store of value and yeah I mean it's going to be insane what you know I think you know I'm sort of bullish I, I think we're going to see huge strides over the next couple of years. Um, Maybe, you know, and that might not even be Bitcoin. It could be, you know, probably not going to be Dogecoin, um, Doge yeah. or whatever. Yeah, or whatever. Something may just take off, uh, take off fully. I, uh, I, I agree with you completely. Um, all right. So we cover, we're covering a lot. There's a lot of questions in here. I, I think we should probably, because Chris, I, you know, again, you are my kind of technically first ever guest. This was letting it flow. This is on my main YouTube channel. And we, we had a nice discussion back in the day, three years ago, just over three years ago. So that was uh, you know, new time and new place. And again, guys, give him a follow on Twitch. He's going to be streaming. It's coming up here. That's uh, Chris money maker poker on Twitch. We also have his Twitter and uh, I think you, you, you do, you don't do a ton of Instagram. You're more you like Twitter. What's your, what's the main ways people can get a hold of you? Twitch and uh, Twitter. Twitter is really the best way to, if you want to reach out to me and get in touch with me, Twitter is going to be the best way. That's the one I check on a more consistent basis. Um, again, Instagram, I literally posted my first Instagram in over a year, probably yesterday. I need to get more into that platform, but I just don't do it. So but it's really going to be Twitter. You know, at some point you got to make a cut. If you want to study, you want to be the ambassador, you want to be a family man, you, some social media has got to suffer somewhere. There's only so much time. You say you already don't sleep a lot. Um, this question is, let's dive into it. Uh, favorite hand in the game. We see someone here live in the chat asking, oh, maybe it's the same, same person. This guy needs to have the answer, Chris. He's posting on Twitter. He's in the chat live. He needs to know, what is your favorite hand, Fabio Turbina, in poker besides aces? What's like your fun fun hand? 5-4 maybe? 
Probably four or five. I mean, um, that's the hand that I won the World Series with. You know, I I think it's as you know, you can agree that as you play poker more and more, you don't really have a favorite hand. It's you're playing your range based on your you know your stack and your opponents and things of that nature. So I, I, and I honestly, I don't have a favorite hand anymore. But I like playing off the button because I get to play you know the majority of hands. So. I just, a better position is I'd rather just have the button than a hand specifically because I can play pretty much my entire range from the button. Um, but if I had to actually pick, pick a specific hand, it would be the 5-4. Fair enough. That makes sense. Doesn't even have to be suited. You know, you, I think you want it with the 5 four. Doesn't have to be suited, no. Yeah, just, a, just a good hand. Did you really enjoy your role as a PokerStars Pro Ambassador? Asked Marcelo. You know, it's, it's one thing, you know, some people sign sponsorship deals and they ask you to do things that – maybe you're not comfortable with, or it's not just not in your wheelhouse, but it's it, for whatever reason, it just comes natural to me. Like, I don't have to like act. This is just who I am. I, you know, I'm not putting on a show. This is just who I am on a daily basis. So it's actually really easy to be an ambassador. Um, and I enjoyed, enjoyed my role at poker stars for 17 years. And I'm looking forward to carrying forward that role with America's card room. And uh, again, it's just, it's a really easy thing for me to do. Um, and uh, obviously it's a really easy thing for you to do. It just comes naturally to some people and, you know, but like you get someone, you know, not to throw them under the bus, but like Joe McKeon, like I would get something and he'd be like, dude, how do you get that? I'm like, I'm nice to people. <laughs> He's like, Oh yeah, I can't do that. Um, yeah, so, well, and, and to be fair, like, that's the thing. I think that's something that's been adopted now. Like some of the crushers, right. Of the game, you know, you got like the Alex Foxons and chance, right. And, uh, Phil Galfons and, you know, whatever you could name a hundred players, the world-class Fedor Holtz and whatever, right. doesn't matter. The guys that, you know, and Justin Bonnell's and just winning everything, Dan Coleman's and, you know, some of those guys, they're just, they're built for that. They, they, they want to just play. They're, 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 they're just consummate professionals. There's, they're in the solver world. They're grinding. They're, they're living immersed there. And then you got guys that are, you know, that are a mix, a hybrid. And then you got some guys that are just sort of, uh, you know, the streamers that are just promoting the game, having fun. And, and that's what they're doing. Right. And it's like, and then you kind of get the hybrids and, and it's not for everyone. You have to actually like the people that, I mean, you could probably put on a really short list. The people that are passionate about poker, that love the game, love the people. And, you know, would rather they're putting their, 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 their first, goal is for promotion of poker and they're doing the content side you know there's a short list i think of guys that do that do it well and do it because they love it and you know i think that's uh that's hard to find and again like you looked at the stars model from five six seven eight years ago and you can see how the list has shrunk and shrunk and shrunk and then you know some of them have gone signed at other places like yourself myself jamie staples you know kevin martin um you know matt staples have these kind of guys uh that are that are active and doing it but a lot of the guys that were getting deals that the old model was oh this guy won a high roller or this guy's like a ept champion this guy's this and they just slap him a deal and, uh, you know, not that it's the player's fault, but they wanted to pay them for that sort of thing. But I think nowadays it's like, you don't care. There's $10, $20 streamers that have thousands of people watching them play because they love the game. They're passionate. And that's what sites want. They want people that are going to uh, promote them. Well, they're going to share and, and let people know what's going on in the, in the industry within their site. And that's what the, you see. It's moved completely now like 95% is that road instead of like guys that are just like great poker players, because you know, again, not right or wrong. I, and this is a bit of a rant and just sort of a rumble about it, but like guys, I think like, you know, Ben CB and Fedor Holtz and some guys that maybe initially were like, I remember when Kevin Martin got signed by 
poker stars. He actually came to party nights with GG. People are outraged. Like I remember seeing threads and chats like, man, Kevin Martin, he's a place $22 tournaments. This guy doesn't know how to play poker. He's, you know, but Kevin is like, he's a guy that's a, he, he's, he's loves poker. He, people love him. He's fun. He's entertaining. He's actually a hell of a poker player now and put a lot of work in his game. But you know, that, that was sort of like, I thought a turning point when they signed Kevin and people like kind of were fighting or saying this, and then they sort of realized that, and there's kind of people that are now like, I think some of the crushers of the game, they really get it. They're like, oh, wow. Like, you know what? That's great. This guy's streaming. This is what's keeping the game alive. Oh, this YouTube channel. This is why people are coming. I, I got to say one more thing before. I, I know it's your podcast. Or it's, um, we're here to talk about you, but I had an interesting experience with Doug Polk uh, where he started on YouTube and I started doing videos in 2017 at the World Series. Okay. Like at the World Series. I'll never forget. I had in my, it was like, I didn't really have a YouTube channel. Sorry, my son's screaming there in the background. He poked his head around here, and <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's he's crying. But um, the, uh, the 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 someone came up to me, and I was I was vlogging, and it was 2017. I'd streamed for about a year or so, right? And and a guy comes up to me, he's like, "Hey, man, like it's so cool." He's like, uh, "I thought I would know who I was. No idea. Didn't you know? Didn't care. Whatever." And he asked me, he's like, "Hey, do you know Doug Polk?" And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know Doug, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, that's why I'm here. He's like, I watch his, you know, this was when he was doing a lot of poker videos and his hand reviews and whatever. This guy is from, from wherever, California or something, came to the World Series and came because of a YouTube video Doug Polk did. And again, he's polarizing. You love him, you hate him. Him and Daniel, I, it was obvious they were going to have a bromance and they played this thing and it was great for poker. But the uh, Doug brings a lot of people into poker like he does like people like his content they learn from it they see it and that is something that's good for the game and that was when i heard that that was when i was kind of like oh wow like that's powerful people are showing up to vegas people are showing up to live events because of content and i started seeing that and more of that and you know johnny vibes and you know uh what's his name uh and andrew nimi and brad owen and these guys that are youtube crushers then there's a the twitch crushers then there's instagram people doing content whatever this is what poker needs or else it's dead you got to have new people coming or else it's just, you know, there's got to be some people come in, they do the study programs, they learn, they pay their dues, they take their licks, they come through the system. And I saw a stat at the World Series. I think I'm setting a record. Sorry, it's my Twitch streamer, me, Chris. I can't help it. I just talk. But the 21-year-olds, uh, the I saw a statistic like two or three years ago that really worried me because, like, they showed the demographic of 21-year-olds playing the World Series or 21, 22, 23. It was super low. Like, cause kids that are in college that aren't in the U S that aren't playing and whatever, like it just, it was like drying up. Like, and if they're, if it, you know, people leave, people have kids, people move on to other projects. People, people find other passions, find other passions. They make the ones that make money. Even you see some of the biggest crushers who kind of ride off in the sunset and re semi-retire, retire. Then you got guys that are stuck in makeup or just don't, it doesn't work. Does at some point, you got to have that ecosystem where people are getting um, infatuated with the game, you know, responsibly, of course, hopefully, but they come up, they, they, you know, you need that system or else, you know, at some point the game does dry up. Although look at WPT hard rock, people are in masks, plexiglass, third largest WPT ever, like 1600 entries. People are chomping at the bit online, massive 8 million guarantee gets 9.4 party poker WPTs online. You know, th these series, there's just a lot happening. It is, it is, uh, it's exciting poker. You can feel there's energy on it and people are ready to, to learn and grow and play. And it's great. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, poker is definitely not going anywhere. It's, it's a great uh, industry to be in and there's there. Everybody's itching to get back out and play again. Everybody wants to go out and, and, and play with everybody else and we'll get there eventually. But 
Um, it's just going to take some time. But yeah, but uh, back to your point on the ambassador role, I mean, it's, it's showing up and, and talking to people and being present and showing people a good time. I mean, I know as, as my role as an ambassador, I've done my job. When I'm one, I bust the person. And two, they shake shake my hand after I bust them, and they said that it was an honor and a great time to, to play with me, and I had a blast. If I could get that, and I get that all the time, then I know I've done my job. And that's really what playing a poker ambassador is, is giving people a good outlet, a good opportunity to, to have fun, because this is what poker is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a break from your everyday grind. It's supposed to be a vacation, if you will, and something you enjoy. Yeah, that's why it's a great mix because there is like the grinders, people that love it and do it full time. And then there's guys that are, that's a hobby. They come in, they come out, probably lose a tiny bit, but it's entertainment. It's fun. There's an allure. There's a big prize they could win. They could hit the moneymaker dream. People still, you know, look at that. Uh, I know you finally hit the party for a million at Aria, you know, and got ninth. It doesn't the first. I think Mark, Tom Marchese, one who actually one of the great players who has a legacy uh, sports cards legacy in Vegas. He's got, he, you know that, you know how deep Tom is in the sports cards. He owns his own store there. Did you know that? No idea. Big, yeah. Sports card fan. Just so you know, that's a guy too to talk with about it, but you know, that's the thing. Like, yes. Yeah, so some of the best players are going to win. It's a skill game, but you know, guys that go to Vegas and they hop in a five or a 10 K buy-in or two K WSOP, they know they could win and it's possible. And uh, that, that is, that is fun. Uh, let's continue on uh, some questions here before I know, Chris, we've already been going for almost two hours. So I appreciate the time. If you got to leave, you can kick. I, it's going to be hard to quit you. So you're gonna have to say, let's do a few more. And then segue. I know you got kids, you got, stuff to do you got twitch streams to set up so i know you're busy uh yeah, look, look, we can hit a few questions and then, then, then we'll cut it but we'll hit a few of them see what's going on see what people want to know in the matrix chris let's let it let's let the matrix do its thing so we got uh we got a question here from hey hey it's ray champ how many more times if any do you think you would have played the main event if you hadn't cashed the year you won let's say you brick or you min cash were you coming back or is that it or is that light or not it's obviously going to depend on my financial situation at the time. If I'm doing well, I mean, I'm definitely going to be playing because I, I love poker and I would, you know, it would be like a, a bucket list thing to go play every year. It's, um, you know, one of the few events that you strive to play. Um, realistically, I don't know. You know, it depends on my financial situation. Yeah. And, and uh, I got to ask about the moneymaker effect. That's an actual term and language based on you. How does that feel? Is that pretty cool? Like that's a real thing. Yeah, honestly, you know, I have an effect that's going to uh, be named after me long after I'm gone. My kids will get to see it. Um, so obviously, it's one of the coolest things ever. And, um, you know, you don't really think about it, obviously, on a day to day basis. But, you know, you know, when I'm gone in the history books, they'll, they'll, your, your name will be there, which is cool. I mean, that to me, that's a, you know, it's, it's a really cool thing. For sure. And uh, people re relate to, they say, you know, th there's this thing about you're an average Joe, like play on that, which obviously you're, you know, whatever. That's, that's, that's just kind of like a, you're, you're a guy that people can relate to anyone that's like possible to win for, let's just say like that you sign autographs, take selfies with fans, take pictures. Uh, what is it about your personality that makes you so down to earth and, and not let you get a big head? Honestly, I, I can't answer that. I don't know. It's just who I am. Every time that I think I'm going to get a big head, my wife or my kids or my friends will just bat me back down to reality really quickly. Um, like my wife actually put on the calendar um, a month ago, Chris, like when I was doing the announcement for ACR, she wrote Chris and in parentheses BH. And uh, I didn't really 
make a big deal of it. I didn't know what it was, but I just walked by and then uh, maybe last week, uh, I go, hey, babe, what's Chris BH mean? And she goes, well, that's the day you're announcing ACR, right? I said, yes. She's like, Chris Bighead, you're going to have a big head that day. I'm like, really? I mean, so yeah, she, she knows when, you know, I might, you know, get a little bit and she makes sure she pops it right away. Gets you, uh, keeps she, you no big head under control. Uh, and tell me about your accounting background. How, how do you think that worked in your favor or did it uh, at all? And just like in terms of numbers and math and, and some of that, obviously poker, the math isn't like rocket science, but still there's some percentages and concepts to understand. Uh, did, was that beneficial for you and in, in your, in your sort of uh, poker understanding or, or what, what do you think? How did that translate from what you do into the poker world? You know, it doesn't really translate that much. Accounting was definitely just more theory and more, um, code or, you know, tax code, then, you know, use the calculator for all the math stuff or use a computer. I mean, um, all right. My, my wife, I was sitting there texting my wife. I got 15 minutes to, to wrap, wrap it up. I go pick the kids up. Okay. My son is home from school. We, we hope he doesn't have COVID. We, he got tested yesterday and he came back negative, but she's not feeling well. He's not feeling well. And so I got to go pick up the others from school. We wouldn't be sending them, but they came back all negative. So, Hopefully we, we don't have it, but whatever. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but it didn't, accounting didn't really help me a whole lot in poker. And, and, and what do you think about the poker? What have you, the, now that you've played, you, you say, say you've been doing it for a long time. You've been in the game. What do you believe poker, what attributes do you think uh, you can apply to the real world the most? Well, more than anything else, it's just about patience and, you know, not getting too emotional and not, you know, reacting to situations. I mean, I remember back earlier when I was younger, um, you know, I would blow up and go on tilt and, you know, like crypto is a good example. You know, I, I would probably back my younger self would, you know, every time crypto dumped 10%, I would probably freak out and sell everything. Um, but you just learn just to have patience and, you know, not, not react in the moment. Um, anytime, you know, like with poker, if you take a bad beat, like people always ask, how do you get over tilt or how do you not go? How do you not tilt? You got to step away from the table. You got to calm yourself and you got to just regroup and go back like you're a quarterback or something. You have to have a short memory. Right. And that applies to everything in life. I mean, you know, you can't react with emotion. You have to be practical and realize why are you in the poker tournament or why are you in crypto or why are you doing what you're doing. You're in it for the long term. You're in it because you feel like you can make better decisions than other people and you can control your emotions. I mean, a lot of times poker is in life. It's about controlling your emotions and controlling how those emotions affect your decisions. And, you know, you, you play all the time with people that can't control their emotions. They could be the best player in the world, but once they go on tilt, I mean, I think Helmuth is actually a you know, pretty good example of this. He you know, could be one of the best players in the world, but he has a tilt button that once you hit it, I mean, the guy just goes spew crazy. I mean, you see it on when he plays cash games and things like that. Um, so it's really about controlling that uh, emotion and controlling that tilt and making a good decision. Look at this. We got legend in the chat. Poker staples. I don't know if you can see that pop up. He said, what up, legend? See money. All the best to you in your new role. So there's Jamie, one of the guys What's I met. What's up, Jamie? Yeah, thanks, man. 
that's definitely one of those guys on the short list that you can say loves the game and does uh, does more than basically anyone in terms of content and out, outward focus on what it is and just kind of nice to see him crushing and you know we're, we're co-managing party poker team online and it's uh it's it's a wild time it's a wild time to be in the industry and welcome jamie thank you for stopping in and saying hello and we were all teaming jamie, for me was you know you're talking about kevin being the turning point for you jamie was kind of the turning point for me because jamie I remember when he first came on, he was complete shit poker player. Like he was terrible. Um, love you, Jamie. But uh, <laughs> you watch his stream and be like, "What the hell? This guy's lost." And you know, he came on to Poker Stars and, and represented the team. And you could just see him getting better. But more than than uh, his poker ability, it was his ability to talk to people, and entertain, and interact with people in this setting. And you know, I've streamed very little compared to him. And I see how hard it is. Like what I engage with people better in person, like it, it's a skill set to be able to stream and do Twitch and, and do what these people do. And he was one of the first ones that I saw um, really be able to bridge that gap and really connect with the audience really well um, and make you feel like you're a part of what he's doing. And that's what it was kind of an opener for me. It's like, you know, this guy, this kid gets it. He, he may not be the best poker player in the world, um, but he definitely has the personality and um, the likability factor that is good for poker. Yeah. Well, I would say what I meant was not, for, it wasn't for me personally, like, cause honestly the original guy, well, what Kevin was in there, one of the originals, it was basically Jay Carver, right? Somerville, the original OG Twitch guy. And then you got uh, kind of, it was Kevin and Jamie for me at the, those three. See, the problem with Jay Carver is he was good at poker. I mean, Jay, Jason Carver's always been good at poker. Jason yeah. Somerville's always been good at poker. He's been good at everything he does. Right. He's also playing. He's like a beast. He's he's not he's not a normal human. So right, we're talking about the humans only for sure. I agree with you, but I'm saying like Kevin. I was saying Kevin got Jamie was with Stars for for a while before then. When Kevin got signed officially, that's when people I think the industry kind of like leaped out, lashed out, was like, "This is crazy! Like, how are you how are you signing this guy and cutting this one or not? Whatever, right? Like that was I think where people at the moment weren't understanding the power of content and what it was really about." And what was happening and that was sort of like where the paradigm shifted and people like started to realize oh like okay yeah it makes a lot of sense like wow that's stupid i shouldn't be making fun of this guy or talking like he's not a good player he's the one providing a platform for me to have games right so like that's i think people like the top crushers really like their their attitude has shifted now where they're kind of like all right this is great that guys are streaming and they definitely see the value yes and then some of them too stream now themselves you know and they'll both throw streams together ben cb or uh there's some other you know there's a lot of great players that uh that do some streaming as well but it, it does take away from you know your focus and it probably is like playing three to four tables alone so just look at the twitch chat follow it and 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 whatever um all right let's take a couple more chris i know you got to get running here and then we got a giveaway to do for the 111 dollar ticket um tell us something interesting about your work with poker stars was there ever like you know isha you said you had a great relationship with you know that that you mentioned that was something super interesting you had a contract for about 5k a month and then they realized like you were providing so much value they actually reached out and told you, and Ishai was like, hey, let's terminate it and get you something right. Anything, any other kind of anecdotes or stories or memories of something crazy along the way? I mean, you know, Black Friday, obviously, when it happened, you know, Isai called me. It's like, hey, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll figure it out. Don't post anything. Don't say anything. Just hang out. We'll we'll fill you in and let you, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to be cutting you or, you know, reducing your salary and like that. Everything's going to be fine. Just sit there and wait and, you know, enjoy the ride, essentially figure out, you know, what we're going to do. So, I mean, they were always real responsive with, 
you know, market changes and, you know, keeping me up to date and let me know what was going on. Um, and yeah, but then the, you, you would have these random things like um, people that know PokerStars kind of know Melanie. Um, she made me go bungee jumping, which was the worst thing that ever happened in my life. Really? Um, that sounds terrifying. I wouldn't do that for anything. I just said, uh, it's not me. I said the same thing and they begged me to do it. And I said, all right, I'll do it. And yeah, it was, it was brutal. What, I'll just, do that again, Phil. Like, like you were legit terrified. And like when you actually did it and like, it was it like, did it hurt a little bit or, just, or like kind of snap you a bit or you were just kind of just. Oh, I'll still never do it again. Like I couldn't even walk out on the bridge. I had to crawl almost to get across the bridge just to get out there to do it. It was the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my life. Like it, and it's not something once you do it, you can do it again because it's fine. No, it was terrifying. It, I, it was I, horrible. I had a bet to jump off the stratosphere. So that's the only thing I could even relate to kind of, and it's way different. Cause it's like, just like a straight down drop, but like legitimately I couldn't jump. Like, I mean, you act, they're not pushing you. So you have to like, you're looking out in the Vegas skyline did it at night. And it was just like, you know, <laughs> I'm terrified of heights. Like I, I would, I had some drinks in me, would never be able to do that again. Like same thing. It doesn't mean like, Oh, I did it. I'm good. Like, no, I don't want to do that again. And, uh, I'm not, 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 not cool with it. So, um, yes, uh, all right, I, I can relate, but that's, that's, I wouldn't bungee, man. That's even more intense. So congrats, I guess. And, and are you happy you even did it? Or are you so upset? Like you're actually not even happy you did it. Like, I no, I'm happy. I did it. You know, it's, it's a thing that you knock off your bucket list. You did it. You never have to do it again, but you're happy you did it. Okay. But honestly, what they did, it was in Russia when I did it. Um, they drop you down and it was the drop sucked. Don't get me wrong, but it was really, they, they hauled you back up slowly. And that was the worst part is going back up, seeing what you just dropped down and being carried back up. The thing. That, that was really bad. I don't know all the statistics and stuff and countries and like, you know, certain aviation, like Russia's actually got one of the worst records in aviation, just in flying in general, like not, you know, it's still crazy odds, but yeah, bungee jumping is, uh, it's pretty dangerous. I mean, it really is like, you know, they, they test with rocks or whatever and wait and they throw shit off, but you know, like it's, it's, uh, I'm a big, I'm a big rock too. So yeah, I mean, listen, it, it's, uh, it's definitely at some point we gamble enough, but, um, yeah, maybe, uh, I think that I'm good with that. All right, let's take, take one more and then let's do this giveaway chris has got to pick up the kids um and uh what actually two more one from here and i got one last question only go did you wager any money on uh, d neg's polk yep i ended up putting two thousand on polk and then i realized how long the um match was going to take and i bet two thousand on negrano to balance it off because i didn't want to sweat it anymore i didn't realize when i made the bet it was going to last months and i did not want to pay attention to it for a month for month, more than one month so I ended up having zero action. Um, I, I basically bought myself out after the first three sessions, and uh, I was happy not to have any. I mean, if I would, if I would have had a side, it would have been Doug's side. Um, but at the end of the day, I just didn't want to have action that was going to last that long. I had enough um, presidential election action after the election had occurred that I didn't need any more action. For sure. And my last question is you, you did a book and it was a children's book uh, about math, I believe. And correct me if I'm wrong. I forget the name of that book. I had a note about it. I don't it. know where that comes from. I never did a children's math oh. book. That's, okay. that's something that's completely false. I've never done a children's book. I've never wrote a, a it's, it's something on a, it's crazy because I, yeah, okay, I found the note. In 2005, it says that you authored a children's book titled Big Bet Big to Win Big, a story which sought to teach basic mathematics and life principles. The recent book came with controversy as a national, like, there's like a whole thing. Never happened. 
yeah, I, I encourage reckless. I encourage, okay, so this is just like a random side tip that is just the internet. Fake news gets us gets a tick today. But that's yeah, someone borrowed that on my my Wikipedia page or something, and then somehow I don't know how that stuff sticks. But uh, yeah, I'm not, I, you know, I don't know. It's it's kind of scary that you can write that stuff out there, and it kind of becomes like you know, I've, I've actually been asked about that by three or four different people, and I'm like, I never wrote a children's, but that I never wrote that book. I have no idea what that book is. I don't even know if that book exists, but no, I didn't. I didn't write it. Fair enough. And and uh, what about HUDs? Do you play? Do you use HUDs when you play online? Did you ever? Do you ever use the HUDs up displays or not? I, n- I never used to use HUDs. I've started using HUDs because uh, the way my coach teaches, he teaches with HUDs. Um, but I've always been a non-HUD guy. Um, I've been a big HUD non-believer. Um, but with the way poker online goes, when you know all these different. Um, abilities that you can different things that you can use i mean huds are something that i think probably the site should offer and you can choose to use it if you want i'd like to see in-house huds that everybody can use that levels the playing field basic basic stuff like you know vp uh, pre-flop or whatever just like something simple not the give that to every player on the site let them see it let them you know let just even the playing field yeah i think that's a good point all right um two quick one word or celebrity crush do you have one i've got a lot of them all right, uh, maybe Je- Jennifer right. Gardner probably is, is. You know, I'm I'm a big Jennifer Gardner fan. She kind of reminds me of my wife, and um, very cool. All right, well, that's that one's fine. And uh, favorite food, and then we're gonna go to the giveaway. Favorite, f- dude. I, come on now, I like all food. Get that six pack out there, Craig. Yeah, yeah. I, I like. And, and, I, I'm not a partial food eater. If I had to say anything, it's probably gonna be pizza. But I, I'll eat damn near anything. Fair enough. All right, Chris, man, absolute pleasure. We do have a $111 ticket uh, courtesy here. We're going to give it away uh, right now. I'm going to give a one-shot $111 ticket. You never know. Chris has turned 86 into 2.5, so 111. Who knows what you could do out there? Good luck uh, for the giveaway, guys. I did copy the thing. I put it in. I'm going to confirm it. And, Chris, you're going to tell me when to choose. So you uh, let me load this up, man. Good game. All right, so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna make someone's day or ruin it. All right, sounds good. Happy and about a hundred people or so are gonna be not you know they're not gonna be pissed. They just yeah you're gonna make one very happy. We're gonna download it. A lot of tweets, Chris. A lot of people wanted to hear from you. I don't think we answered a lot. Chris does is tagged on it. If he wants to go back later, take a look at Twitter. Maybe like- yeah, I am tagged on stuff, but I saw some stuff. I'll go back and answer some of the some of the ones. I mean, um, definitely a lot of questions out there. So all right, let's choose a winner, Chris, on your command. Spin it. Run it. Choose it. I am sure it's loading. It's loading. 111 ticket. Uh, it's finished. This guy, I already know. This is a name. Nemesis. I think he's won numerous things before. Some guys can really do it, man. This is. He asks a lot of questions. He's involved. Look at this. I got. He's hit. He's binked. He's a bink giveaway guy. Uh, congrats to our friend here. Um, and Chris, man, I'll let you run. Get the kids and and get on with life. And that's number 118. The books, the man, the myth, the legend, the moneymaker effect was here. Did it officially. One of my inspirations for the podcast, as we mentioned before, Chris, always a pleasure. Thank you for your time. Congrats on the new signing, ACR, and I'll be seeing you hopefully live, if not on the Twitch streets, very soon. Jeff, it's been a pleasure spending these two hours with you. It has been a very long time. It's great to see your face. Hope to see you soon. Thanks for everything. Talk to you soon. Thanks for the kind words, and thanks for the good interview. Cheers, man. That's Chris Moneymaker, guys. We got two big pods next week. Stay tuned. Going live on Twitch as well. We're going to be going crazy. We might even move the pod to Twitch and then upload them here. I'm not really sure. I'm, uh, I got to message this ticket here and I got to get the username from Escalana 
who won it. So uh, I'm going to go ahead. We're going to ride off. Enjoy your weekend, guys. Super Bowl. Good luck. I don't think we'll be streaming anything before that. I don't believe. Uh, And then we're going to be having a big week next week. Schedule's up. And again, there is a uh, post here for our pinned tweet. I will remind you, giving away, I'll repin it actually since we had some peach. We had Ludwig on recently, really entertaining podcast. And also, let me put this back up top. And this is $100 in BTC giving away. Right here, you guys, my pinned tweet if you want to get in there. BTC's hot, crypto's hot, sports cars are hot. I appreciate you. Separation anxiety. We'll see you very soon. And shout out to Brain Fuel. Testing it, man. This thing is super strong. And we did uh, we tried one yesterday. Uh, didn't realize how much how intense it is, but it's very tasty. I'm sampling it, trying it out. We'll see you very soon, guys. Appreciate you. And cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.